This is Jennifer Hale, and you're listening to the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. And, um, I should go. All the way to episode two hundred, please three hundred and twenty-three. <laughs> time travel uh, of the five fangirls podcast. I just I'm, I'm thinking of the past because we're going to go back in the past again. This time to nineteen fifty-three. So you know, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Mm-hmm. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Five Ish Fan Girls Podcast. So glad you could join us. Let's start off like the river virtual table and see who joined us this week. This is Brittany and Troy. Chrissy in Salt Lake City. This is Sally from Wisconsin. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. You know the whole thing with like the whole thing like 200. Oh, made me think of if we were live in 53 and the podcast was supposed how many episodes would it be on now if we started in 53? Oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Back, back when they, back in, in ye olden times when, uh, when podcasting was, you know, in radio. Radio? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we sent, we sent in our, 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 our cassette tapes to, to the radio station. Maybe they'll play them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the and for the kids in the audience who don't know what what cassette tapes are, read that thing. Well, go watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking of that book that I was uh, that I found at work and I showed with you guys. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, life before cell phones. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's just it, it's and you know just the way they're talking about like you know cassette tapes and film cameras it sounds like you know they're talking about like the gramophone and mm-hmm. and Marconi wireless and, and you know why a pen or a pencil was your best friend if you had a cassette tape go bad on you right right <laughs> yeah i was showing i was showing the, the pictures of that uh, of some of the pages of that book to my mother-in-law and I was like I feel old and she just laughed at me <laughs> my mom is just like oh sweetie <laughs> that's nice dear this is a new mom feeling like... for me I don't like feeling old yeah <laughs> kids don't know what a film camera is yeah mm-hmm. oh know that weight of taking pictures and sending it to uh film developer it's like you had to oh. wait for your pictures mm-hmm. to come back yeah yes. and if the yep. picture didn't turn out turn out oh. good too bad oh well mm-hmm. <laughs> you're oh, stuck with a crappy so picture much trouble oh. or you film <laughs> or yeah. you'd find or you'd find a film canister that you used and it's like what did i take this roll of film for and then waited with bated breath to find out what was on said film <laughs> You know what's uh, funny? I have well, a disposable that's where those camera. Photos want. Yeah, <laughs> I have a disposable camera somewhere around here that I haven't developed yet, and that's been like from nine years ago. Wow! Oh boy. 
because like we i was on this trip down to visit aunt, aunt uncle in west virginia and there was this um like observatory where like the electronics that they use you can't use like cell phones or digital cameras you have to use the disposable ones to take pictures it in a certain area cool. like, it may, wow. yeah it's um i thought what it's called but yeah like, like you have to be very careful and there's a certain area that says stop you can't use your phone here I'm like oh okay so you took it so you you, you went old school mm-hmm. yes i like it so now now you really have to get those those pictures developed developed yeah I don't, I can't remember if, like, I can still get that thing, so if I remember, right, there wasn't, there is an expiration, expiration date, isn't there? On the film? Mm, gosh, I can't remember how, I used to take that film was, pictures all the time, and Me I'm too, like, like, I used to have, like, disposable cameras and, like, an actual camera with film that you had to take it out, and you can't let, let leave out in the sun, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, down that on that yeah. trip down memory lane. We're old. <laughs> <laughs> and we're yes. darn proud of it. Yep. Yes. That just means that just means we had better music growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just that means we know more than you. <laughs> uh, that can be debatable well, sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know I know enough. I know enough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, first things first, what we do know is the news. Uh, yes. So not, a, you know, for for being a Monday, not bad. Not a no, lot of news, decent, actually. It's all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all pretty good news. So yeah. first up, so uh, exciting. Got, uh, mm-hmm. every, everyone except for me, because I'm woefully behind and have not actually watched any leverage yet um is we got the teaser trailer for the leverage reboot yes return yes mm-hmm. it's leverage redemption oh. and yes show I, how I, i've missed you <laughs> yes I, I i do have to say though i'm you know even though librarians has been off for quite a while ha- seeing noah wiley i'm like you're you're still Flynn. I'm sorry. Yes. I mean, I, I'm sure as I watch, I'm sure as I watch this show, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're you're this guy. You're 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 this character. But oh my gosh, I'm like, okay, you got you got Flynn. You got uh, Jake in Jake. there. And I'm like, and you know, the Lady of the Lake, yeah. Beth yeah. was the Lady of the Lake. I'm like, like it's, a, it's kind of a librarian reunion, sort well, of. But a little bit. I mean, it's the same same company, but yeah. So yep. this is this is very exciting because you mm-hmm. know leverage. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we'll have to be we'll have to cover some uh, some leverage uh, as a topic at some point. Yes, it's funny like how you think you saw um, Noel Noel's character as like for me, it's, like, it's funny like how when I first started watching my um Jake, I'm like, it's Elliot. Yeah, it's, yeah. He ain't no, it's Elliot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just funny how that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think even after watching all of ER, I still see Noah Wiley as playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he was young in ER. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny because it's like you know he was such a big part of ER for so long, and then eventually, mm-hmm. like he stopped. Like his character like went off and did other things, and that's when Noah started doing like the librarians' movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's like I know what you were doing. <laughs> Yep. Between that like and the fallen skies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I knew like I knew where you went. Mm-hmm. I knew what you did last summer. Uh, yep. <laughs> Somebody got a certain envelope. Yep. Uh, 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 people mm-hmm. and multiple things. Always it's funny, fun. Like, I, like um I knew I got saw the library movies kind of late like I didn't watch them until like right before the show started mm-hmm. but like I like right that would have been around the same time as like towards the end of ER mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the first librarian movie came out I'm like oh, yeah right I know it is so, it's so weird to think about but there it is mm-hmm. yeah. uh, yeah, so. Is so long oh yet not mm-hmm so we're getting new leverage and everybody looks awesome and we got you know you, you, you know uh you, the trailer has hardison's sister or foster mm-hmm. sister one of the one of the articles called her so yep. learn about her and yeah people stealing so, shit from people yes <laughs> it's like let's go steal and you know they're like trying to prompt you know prompter to say and i always sophie yeah sophie i was like I, why do i keep i know why i call, why i keep calling her gina because that's the actress's name that's i'm like his name yeah, Ugh, yeah. Been- sophie is happily retired but i'm thinking parker is going to sway her in no time fast as <laughs> as as parker often does mm-hmm. yeah, she's just got that little that that way of of being very persuasive and charismatic <laughs> mm-hmm and, hopefully know, there's there was no tasing or stabbing involved we, we can only hope mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, rachel it's, you'll get the reference once yes you, once you have a just like with everything else i will get the references seasons. eventually yeah. So. yeah that lady will be like i understood that reference yes <laughs> Uh, it's just it's just good to see it's good to see him it's good to see him getting back into yes. it and, you know it's uh, comfort it's, shows yes comfort show and it's like you know we've been watching a lot of our you know old favorites over the past year and and you know all this stuff and that's been great it, it will be nice to get to get new stuff I mean, like and i mean it's not like we haven't been getting new stuff but at the same time it's like I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for yes. for 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 new stuff, new good stuff. Let's, mm-hmm. let's bring it on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, speaking of which, yeah, uh, speaking of I was good, trying to segue. New good so. stuff, if you nice saw segue. the yeah, if you just saw the video that Marvel released earlier today and just looked at the title and the the thumbnail you're probably like oh you know this is like oh you know because the other day was may 1st which was the anniversary of essentially the mcu kind of kicking off because that's when the first iron man was released so it's been 13 years since speaking of feeling old robert downey jr went i am iron man Man. most of my memories these past week is 
oh, I'm seeing this sort in Marvel movie tonight. Yes. Yeah, oh, my Facebook <laughs> posts have been like, oh, you know, counting down Avengers Age of Ultron or, you know. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, uh, so yeah, if at first glance, you'd be like, oh, Marvel, cel- you know, celebrates the movies or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, we just had the anniversary of the MCU, whatever. If you didn't watch it, you missed out. <laughs> Or if you backed out of the trailer less than halfway in, go back and read clips of yeah not even the first half of it like the first third of it is just like Mm -hmm. i mean it's got this great voiceover for you know from stanley which Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's like oh tears stan we Mm -hmm. miss you um you know but it's like you know clips from black panther and you know Guardians of Galaxy and yeah. stuff, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's all great. There's this great uh, footage of somebody taken at, you know, uh, like a first screening of Endgame when, yes, yeah, you know, Sam, when you first hear Sam's uh, voice, you know, on, your, like, left. on your left, and then everyone <laughs> shows up, and you know, Cap's got Mew Mew, and he's like, Avengers Assemble, and the entire audience in the theater just loses their mind. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. ah! uh, but then Marvel is like, okay, here's there's your reminder of what we've had recently. Here's what's coming. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, some of it is stuff we already new like we've known that these movies were coming we've you know we've had these release dates written down in pencil uh <laughs> for a while um mm-hmm. so you know reminder black widow coming july 9th which mm-hmm. now is not that far from now so i'm like yay you know bring on bring mm-hmm. on natasha shane chi legend of the ten rings we've gotten a, a trailer for so that's exciting too reminder labor day weekend september 3rd so yay oh yeah let's show you the first footage from eternals yes. <laughs> just mm-hmm. kind of mixed in with everything else yeah yeah et dubs directed by now academy award winning director chloe Zhao, uh mm-hmm. <laughs> director of nomadland uh yeah. <laughs> so coming november 5th so that was pretty awesome. Like, ah, Eternals. Like, I have no idea what the Eternals are other than, like, a very broad, like, idea of what they are. Other than that, I really don't know much about the details. I don't care. I'm here for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Christmas season, December 17th of this year. Nothing new there. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to next year, which now doesn't seem so far away. <laughs> Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, March 25th of next year, Thor, Love and Thunder, May 6th of next year, Black Panther 2, we now have a full title for, this is new, Mm -hmm. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, (laughs) again, Mm -hmm. kind of tier, July 8th of 2022 of next year, and then Captain Marvel 2, which is not going to be called Captain Marvel 2, but being called the Marvels, mm-hmm. which more than likely we will be seeing Maria Rambo return mm-hmm. and maybe a certain Miss Marvel who is currently filming her Disney Plus series as we speak. Mm-hmm. I think so because 
I could be wrong, but isn't like the S in Miss yes. Marvel the, the same S in yeah. 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 But, you know, it's like she happens to be filming her series right now, which I mm-hmm. I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but I did see a picture of her in costume and Yes, I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that. I don't, I'm debating, like, do I want to see it? Do I want to wait? <laughs> I might not be able to avoid it at one point, but we'll see. Yeah. No. No, no. Like, that is hit, I'm sure. Yeah. That is between you and God. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so mark your calendar November 11th of 2022 for the Marvels. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, which we knew was coming. Uh, February 17th, 2023, I get a new Marvel movie the day mm-hmm. before I turn 40. <laughs> wow. Nice. I guess, I guess they knew that. Happy the- birthday to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, here you wow. go, Rachel. You're turning 40. Here's a little present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the new Ant-Man Wasp movie. <laughs> and you're like, Please here's some Paul you. Rudd. Everybody loves Paul Rudd. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, thank you. Um, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, May 5th mm-hmm. of 2023. So. Nice. So, yes, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Marvel movies in the next two years, as James they... Gunn posted mm-hmm. on uh, his Facebook earlier today. I will see. We will see you in the movie theaters two years from this Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. they may or may not have telegraphed a certain other tilt your head this way and they could just be like it's phase four yeah that's what right. i thought i was like okay are you teasing fantastic four or are that, you just that saying particular four in that particular four? font, font yes. is fantastic style yes it's <laughs> pretty fantastic like looking yeah. Yes. <laughs> although, although they they have they have bait and switched this before, and not the you know not the too too far distant past. So right. I don't know. I I will reserve judgment, but I kind of think. I mean, after all the 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 Fantastic Four movies that we have had from Fox, and I'm like, okay. I mean, yes, Reed Richards is kind of a jerk. <laughs> Canonically, he is. Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. don't don't get Jared on this topic. He will talk your ear off about it. Um, <laughs> however, I do want to see how how Marvel is going to treat the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And if, yes. I, I mean, I've they certainly can't do worse than what Fox did. Mm-hmm. But I know. like I've said, third time's a charm. we get our third, you right. know, third Bruce mm-hmm. Banner finally get it right you get our third peter parker finally get it right so right. you know fantastic yes. four third time around i think we'll finally get it right, right. I, 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 and I how many too. and how many marvel alums actually were in the very first fantastic four movies true very can true. name a couple yes <laughs> including one, one very one one specific uh, captain 
Yes. Yes. It was a real, yeah. like, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about Chris Evans other than the Fantastic Four movie. Then they said he was going to play Captain America, and I was just like, what? And then he was amazing. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. Like, you mean that dick from the Fantastic Four <laughs> Exactly. It's like, yes. It's like that, that, that frat boy. Oh, please, no. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, no, he's actually pretty awesome. So, okay. Right? <laughs> oh. Anyway, well, I expected that. So, yeah. so Fantastic Four, I, I'm down for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just if if for no other reason, out of sheer curiosity. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody finally do them yes. right and give them the the, the movie that they yeah. so rightfully deserve, deserve yeah. being Marvel's first family. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So yay! So watch this it, spot. Yeah, there's a uh, long time. You know, it's like there's a long time yet not a lot, but that still is kind of a long time between now and. Well, the the great thing about this trailer coming out, and I actually saw several people um, that are like you know big movie critic type people who are just you know, not. I mean, uh, how, how do I, how do I put this? They're not. They're not. They're not like you know super fans like like we are like we get we see it and we're squealing up and down and like all this stuff and they were saying like okay this trailer this is how you do a trailer or this is how you you announce things and this is how you you know we've been we've, we've just had this year and a bit where we just we just didn't know and we're you know we said sort of as a joke but really not you know write it in pencil because we don't know and we haven't mm-hmm. been to, we haven't really been to the movies and everybody's just it's it's been it's been tough and for you know mm-hmm. for varying degrees of tough and then here comes marvel saying hey you know remember you know that feeling of going to the movies and you know feeling connected that we all had this was something we could agree on this is something we shared in hey let's go back and let's do let's do some more of that huh mm-hmm. and let's let's yes let's have this shared experience again you know you know put aside all the crap that's happened let's let's just be fans of movies again huh and i'm mm-hmm. like yeah let's do it mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm ready for for something good yep for something happy for something not divisive yeah <laughs> uh-huh i am here for it my little marvel heart mm-hmm. is just like Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm the I'm the kitty cat with the the gif with the paws going gimme gimme gimme. Yep. Yes. So yeah, I, I I'm it 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 did it did my little heart good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like I said when I showed the video, I. So glad I'm an MCU fan, <laughs> Tonight, the part of K9 will be played. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany's trying to get sucked back into the Matrix, and uh, apparently. <laughs> anyway, so yes, yeah. look forward to it. This. It's a sign that it's that, that life is getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Raise B. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so there's 
that. And speaking of uh, movies, the latest episode of Gold Standard is in the feeds where we are now in the 1950s with All About Eve, which I actually enjoyed. So it was nice to talk about a movie I actually liked. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I had never seen it before, but I was like, I genuinely like this. So yay. So that is in the feeds, uh, along with the other half of Nick and I's conversation with Enrique for uh, Spin the Script, which, like I said, last week we had uh, recorded the whole thing before the Academy Awards took place, but it was just so long, Enrique broke it up. So unfortunately, some of our predictions that we made (laughs) did not age well because uh, we were uh, wrong <laughs> so, oops, well, uh, hey. imagine imagine that yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what happens when you make predictions but uh oh well mm-hmm. it is what it is but still a fun discussion overall um so those are available pretty much wherever you get podcasts and then um, as we are recording this, we are in a new month, so that yes. means book club updates. Yep, book club updates. The book for this month is an audiobook, Project Twilight. <laughs> yes, and then the choices for June are Project Lazarus, which bookends Project Twilight, Spectre of Lanyon Moore, I Am the Master, which is now finally available to purchase physically, and Wheel of Ice. Which is an actual book. Mm. Yes, so you have till the end of the month to put your vote in. Yep. I'm torn between a couple of those for next month. Yeah, I would say Spectre of Landing Moore is a really good one because you got six in the Brigadier together. And I just recently listened to that one, actually. Yes. It is a good one too, but I mean, it's six in the bird air, which we never yes. really, uh, really got on TV unless you, well, there's arguments, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the I am the it's Colin and is... It's Colin and Nicholas Courtney together, so, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> which is always a good thing, but mm-hmm. it's. It, just saying it might make sense to go ahead and finish the project duet <laughs> so, yes yeah yeah yes as don't, much as i want to be don't... like specter of lightning more you probably want to do project twilight <laughs> so yeah. don't let us sway your vote, you vote. yes yes <laughs> and the i am the master is a multi-master story from what little that i've read of my digital copy so it's so like I love the master as much as mm-hmm. love the master. <laughs> oh, the master! Yeah, like, the master is just just bonkers, yeah. bonkers fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love I'm... multi, just like time lord stories. So mm-hmm. yes, it's like so like so fun seeing technically the. Same person, but not mm-hmm. how they yeah. interact with each yeah. other. Yeah. Like, now, 
Now, if we want to have th a three-way tie that works, we're going to need to get more people to vote. So then I <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> next three months planned out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then, and then, you know, you can take summer off from doing the polls. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> win-win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, see, Holly. Holly's just trying to, to get a break. Yeah, this is why you <laughs> yeah, vote, people. This is why you vote in everything, from the really tiny little things like book club all the way to the big things. Yes. Yeah. Every vote counts. Yes. You never know how yes. your vote may affect someone else. Yes. Like not Holly not having to do polls for three months. I I I, I, I don't I, I don't mind doing polls, but, <laughs> but a break would be nice. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yay. Mm -hmm. club. So, all right. Moving on to feedback. So, we've got some feedback from Shalane, touching on a number of topics that we've covered recently. Um, she mentions Did we know that there are three? five non-Disney slash Pixar movies that have won Best Animated Feature Film, which I, that category in itself, Best Animated Feature, has actually not existed or has only existed actually since the year 2001. Yeah, it's it was it was a very... Um, yeah, they had. It was, it was they've done of, animated was, shorts for the longest time. Yeah, but it, it was kind of a douche move because what movie was it? Well, that Beauty was, and the Beast was the first feature-length movie to get nominated for Best Picture. Yes, there, but 90s. there was an there was another one that was fairly. It was even more Whatever. recent than that. I can't remember what it is now, but it was. But yeah, the 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 Academy was just like, oh no, we can't we can't have these these animated movies getting getting awards. So how about we give them their own category? And it was mm -hmm. just kind of like seriously. Mm -hmm. So you know, yeah, that's that that's really where it comes from. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, they uh so yeah so they 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 started giving that out in 2001 um which actually that was the first the first year it was not a disney or pixar movie to mm -hmm. win it was actually shrek yes which that is was when, a dreamworks movie yeah that was when dreamworks was having its heyday because mm -hmm. disney was kind of in a skid and yep they know, were the, struggling when, in the yeah post eisner katzenberg breakup still <laughs> yeah and katzenberg went off to dreamworks and with all the ideas that he had in his head from his time at, 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 at disney, disney and everything so <laughs> again we will talk about that when we talk about the eisner era uh, <laughs> so yeah no so shrek was actually the first two years were not Disney or Pixar because Spirited Away, which is a Miyazaki film, actually won mm -hmm. the following year in 2002. Ooh. So Disney did not walk away with their first one until 2003 with Pixar finding Nemo. Um, and then uh, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit 
uh, one in 2005. Seriously? Yes. I mean, I haven't, I don't think I've seen that one, but I, I actually don't remember what other movies came out that year. Yeah, which is actually the Wallace and Gromit movies are unique in themselves because they're stop motion. It's all claymation. And then Happy Feet won in 2006. Oh gosh, Happy Feet. That one was so (laughs) horrible. My mom made me go see Happy Feet. I was like, oh, it's not And it's like, it beat out out cars for crying out loud, you guys. Yeah. I hate Happy Feet. I love cars. Happy Feet's just, Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Disney, 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 uh, Disney, and then um, Rango won in 2011. I don't even remember. Oh, that's that Johnny Depp one with the lizard. Okay, I never yes. saw. Yeah, it. A chameleon, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a chameleon. Yeah, chameleon. Which there were, there's not uh, any Disney or Pixar even nominated that year. I don't know what happened to both. Well, you know, Disney and Pixar in 2011. What even came came out? The other nominees are A Cat in Paris, which is a French film. Uh, Rango is actually Nickelodeon. (laughs) So technically Nickelodeon has an Oscar. Uh, Oh gosh. Chico and Rita. When did Tangled come out? Kung Fu Fu Panda, which is DreamWorks. DreamWorks. It's actually Kung Fu Panda 2. And then Puss in Boots, which is DreamWorks, which is in the Shrek universe. So, huh? Tangled was never nominated. Yeah. That's weird. Okay. Yeah. And then it went back to Disney. Disney, 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 Disney. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Disney, Disney. So, because <laughs> that was Shalane's next point was the 84th oscars which were the 2011 oscars there were no disney or pixar movies <laughs> nominated that year so weird yeah i don't anyway. know what happened that year but uh, i'm trying to think of what disney movies came out in 2011 i don't I remember yeah because tangled came out in 2010 huh didn't you I'm afraid to look because my internet's being weird. Yeah. <laughs> See, Walt Disney Company releases Winnie the Pooh in 2011. Ew. And that one was like sort of a is a revival of the Winnie the Pooh. That was more like a. They have Cars 2, though. Cars 2 is terrible. Although that may have not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah, love, but I, I mean, I love, it's, yeah. it's, I I mean, love the first Cars so, movie, the, but the second uh-huh, one was Cars, just so. not. I mean, obviously, they're not against, you know, mm-hmm. nominating sequels because right. Kung Fu Panda 2 was nominated, so. Yeah, I, yeah, well, you know, like, there's Despicable Me 2 as you go down the line, How to Train mm-hmm. Your Dragon 2, so yeah, they'll do, they'll do mm-hmm. sequels, but Cars 2 was, was one of those, it was like, Pixar's first blatant cash grab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because Some I'm stuff like a little problematic. Yeah, I just especially because I love the first Cars movie so much. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to take Mater and make him into a spy thriller thing? I'm like, no, this does not work. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yes. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't either. I refuse like to watch it on principle. What <laughs> you? Oh, you? Oh, you do. do? I know. Okay. okay. 
I think, you know, I think it was like, you know, so I, I, I like the premise of the, the person who probably has no business being a spy ending up in some sort of like spy thriller. It's like Johnny English, you know. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. You're, you're, you're in, you are, you are perfectly entitled to liking that movie. You're also perfectly <laughs> entitled to being wrong. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the Cars franchise here at some point, so... Yes, we will. Apparently, that's going to be We can get the into this discussion. in more detail. Come on, finally see are the we just, are, are we just... Are we just... Quarters. <laughs> yeah, Holly and Brittany are probably going to have to, like, referee here. <laughs> have to be impartial judges. Right now, we're just... Right, it, it, it has been a while since I've seen it, so with, yeah. with the passage of time, my opinion may have cha- may change. When I, I, I think it's it just because I love the first one so much that the sequel, the, the idea of a sequel was just very uh, offensive to me, but now I'm just... Alien like, to uh, you? Whatever. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think with me, the reason why I haven't really seen it was, like, I love the first one, and I watched it so many times, I felt weird, like, seeing a second one. Yeah, like the third. The third one was all right. I, I mean, I kind of wish that had been the second one. But anyway, again, we will get into this when we actually talk about cars. We're putting we're putting off talking about the commies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like cars, not communism. Uh, <laughs> well, we got to finish the lane's feedback first. Yes. So. Okay. Let, let's get yeah. back to the feedback. Um, so she 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 also is excited for the new West Side Story. Uh, yeah, she's it's kind of cool. It's coming at the same year to celebrate sixty years of the 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 first movie. Which yeah, that is that's pretty cool. Um, it's the, it also looks better than the Hugh Jackman Lay Miz movie, which <laughs> I think pretty much anything is better than the Lay Miz yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Hugh, Hugh Jackman is good in that movie, and so was Anne Hathaway. The rest, I'm just kind of like, uh, let me yeah. put it this way: the only rendition I've seen of the Les Mis musical, now I, I've seen, I've seen the the movie with um, Liam Neeson, that which wasn't a musical; it's more based on the book. Yeah, that was pretty good. But the 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 Les Mis movie with Hugh Jackman is the only iteration of the musical I've seen. And when I told Jared that, he was like, oh, "We need to go." see a stage production of it which mm-hmm. our, our local our local theater that's down the road is actually doing it this season so we may end up going at some point oh yes do it <laughs> you will not regret it it's amazing i i'm like i've i have been told this and i, need I to see love lame is yeah i think the only like source i've seen is i Scenes. I read the book in high school. I haven't seen any any musical version or movie version. Like I've been debating. Am I messing up again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we get the gist of what you're saying, though. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're gonna see it, though, don't see. The Hugh Jackman is especially not as your first <laughs> like experience with the musical unless you just want to start with like the lowest of the bars and then work your way up <laughs> so <laughs> I will say I, I think I've said it to Chris Eva is like I will I will share the link to the 10th anniversary concert which is a concert so it's not the full musical 
they don't have like the big sets and everything um everyone just stays in the like the one costume you know they don't do costume changes and big mm -hmm. set pieces and special effects like the actual the actual production has but it's the way the music is intended to be performed so that's mm -hmm. a step in the right direction so if you can watch the 10th anniversary if that's going to be your first exposure to the to the music from the musical if you and then go see it on stage and then if you really want to have for comparison, then watch the Hugh Jackman movie just to see. We will talk about that. We will do an episode about Les Mis at some point, probably sooner rather than later, actually, because it keeps popping up. <laughs> Apparently so. So Is there an anniversary coming up that we want to No, really. No one original. I no, because I think we we just missed a uh, anniversary for the musical. So okay. yeah, because it premiered in 1980. So oh. yeah, so we just missed an, an anniversary, but we'll have the. 260th anniversary of the novel next year, so close enough. <laughs> okay. That, that, that works. works. Can, <laughs> like, it's be a nice in-between. Yeah. The, yeah. The musical was last year, the book was next year, so yes. we do this year. Yeah. It works. Only 260 years in between. Yeah. <laughs> Give or take a few. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, Shalane, we will we will complete your feedback. I promise. Uh, she said, I did love the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was so good. Uh, I have my eyes on Winter Soldier throughout the whole show. He thinks maybe Bucky like your eye, maybe <laughs> just a little. No. Uh, she also says she loves the Wakanda ladies, the Dora Milaje coming in fighting. Mm. So we need some girl power. Yeah. Uh, AO is awesome. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, and then going back to really old Europeans, uh, she has mentioned the Shakespeare Festival because we went on her tangent about Shakespeare. <laughs> yes, uh -huh. we did. <laughs> yeah, so she too has been to the Shakespeare Festival. She saw Merchant Venice and Macbeth. Yep. A couple different years. Yeah. The, the college where she went is, is where the Shakespeare Festival is, is oh, held every year. Convenient. Well, yes, quite. They have a, a recreation of the Globe Theater with actual seating and, you know, lights and um, concessions <laughs> and, and ADA accessible seating. But yes, it's, it's, it's basically a, a, a recreation of the Globe Theater. It's kind of cool. pretend I'm a zero fill. Uh -huh. yes. To be, not to be. <laughs> Cheerio, Hamlet. Fuck up. <laughs> I was watching Good Omens. I thought we can make Good Omens and we can make a Doctor Who joke too. Mm -hmm. The same yep. person, actor. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> it's the same location. That's the same location yes. they used for the Shakespeare code. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so. Anyway. 
thank you, Shalane, for yes. your feedback as always and being our ear to the ground when it comes to all things theater. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Both local and otherwise. Well, Indianapolis, not necessarily the pantheon of theater. We have our moments. <laughs> Touring well, companies tend to not skip over us, which is good. So that, that's nice of them. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, think about it. Shakespeare in Southern Utah. I mean, what? I mean, yes. One, when the when the pioneers first landed here, one of the one of the first places that they started planning for was a theater. Yes, but it's like Southern Utah. It's like known for its national parks and red rocks, and you know everyone going hiking mm -hmm. and and all that. And then there's the Shakespeare Festival. It's like okay. I'm not complaining. It's just kind uh -huh. of an odd, an odd pairing, which works somehow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, every time I think about it, I think about it too much. I'm like, really? How did that happen? But it mm -hmm. did. <laughs> they were traveling and, uh, you know, they got tired. They're like, yeah, this is good place of any. Look, mountains. Those are nice. Uh, they'll make actually, a nice background. Actually, yes. <laughs> they said, this is the place. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway, moving enough, on. Enough. To, well, I was gonna say enough history lessons, but this is gonna be a history lesson podcast. Nope. This so. is this is yeah, going to. We're today. gonna continue with the history lesson, history folks. Lessons. Thankfully, there will not be a test at the end. Uh, <laughs> so we are once again. <laughs> yeah. Brittany's like, I'm not ready. <laughs> Can I copy your notes? Yes. <laughs> no pad. I'm curious. I'm actually really good at history in high school. It's actually one of my best subjects. Is that world history though, or U.S. history? Like, <laughs> like all of it. Okay. Well. There you go. So you may you may be best off out of all of us. So. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll turn to you for history and English. <laughs> so yeah we are going back to our really world history lesson courtesy of Billy Joel's we didn't start the fire so we are plucking along we're slightly ahead of gold standard as far as the <laughs> 50s are concerned at this at this rate let's, it's just going to be a wonder of who's going to get to Lawrence of Arabia first <laughs> <laughs> well then i Us guess or we, gold standard yes i'm gonna <laughs> laugh a piece of how walk it out no it won't it probably won't walk out that way it would it's be hilarious though if we if we managed to get there about the same time <laughs> i don't think it'll work out that way but it would be hilarious we might have to we might have to map it out and maybe do this a little more often or a little less often i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so 1953, not the best year for history, at least at least as far as what Billy Joel remembered when he was well, writing these lyrics. I'm sure there were probably actually really good things that happened. Well, in this first one, but this first one, depending on who you ask, this might actually be a good thing. Well, that's true. Oh but God, that's just all history. It's, it's a it's a good thing, but it has bad repercussions that actually we will get to in this discussion oh, this <laughs> so <is true. laughs> uh 
that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Uh So, but yeah, first off to kick off 1953 is uh, the death of Joseph Stalin. Or Joseph Vizinovich Stalin, um, which Stalin was actually not his last name, his birth name. He changed it, and it essentially equates to man of steel. (laughs) (laughs) If you've seen if you've seen the epic rap battles of history. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What is it with these dictators and trying to be like bigger than they really are? Good I, grief. It yeah, is yeah. so pathetic. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. yeah. So Stalin uh was actually not even Russian. He was technically he was a Georgian, uh, because he was born in the in Gori which is part of the Russian Empire, but nowadays is what we know as Georgia and not the state that you have to get yeah, all the way through before you get to Walt Disney World. Um, it, it's Europe, Georgia, not U.S. Georgia. But yes, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, when Paul McCartney and you and back in the USSR is talking about those Georgia girls, these are the Georgia girls he's talking Georgia about. Georgia girls, he was talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! And what a piece of garbage this guy was. Yeah. I just yeah. Don't, yeah. Well, he, and he started out. You know, he he started out uh, low class. You know, not from a lot of money, um, but um, even as a youth. He immediately was all like, you know, in in for a penny, in for a pound. He joined the Marxist Russian Social Democratic Labor Party. He went on to edit the party's newspaper, Pravda, um, (laughs) and helped raise funds for Vladimir Lenin's Bolshevik uh, faction, which we mentioned Lenin. We were talking about the fall of the, the Russian czars. This is that time period. Um, where Lenin is coming into power in the late 19-teens, in the early 1920s. Um, And uh, uh, Stalin actually developed, because he was not for money, um, he developed his kind of wealth from essentially being the Russian equivalent of the mob, what we would call the mob. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what we consider the mob so doing things like um so, robberies, so basically kidnapping protection rackets so basically being being the, the 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 leader of the soviet union in the 50s that was that was just an extension of his career choice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yep so after lenin seized power after the revolution which sent you know anastasia and her family off mm-hmm and her not getting lost, like in the cartoon. Um, Lenin comes into power and um, Stalin joins the governing body. Um, And he he served in the Russian Civil War um, uh, and helped oversee that in the early 1920s um, when, when Russia became what we would call the Soviet Union mm-hmm. um, when they established what they called the Soviet Union in 1922. And then when, St- uh, when Lenin died in 1924, Stalin assumed 
leadership. <laughs> he was the logical choice to take Lenin's place after Lenin died. Um, so while Stalin was in power, it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and you know, just, just, just to start off with, I mean, if nothing else, look up Holodomor one of these days, and that is the uh, famine that um, basically what they did that happened in Ukraine. Basically, they took what the farmers in Ukraine were were growing, like the grain and, and stuff. And they shipped it all to, to Moscow so that they could look like they were fed and healthy and everybody, you know, had food and, you know, this, 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 this way of governing this, 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 this economic system is working, except mm-hmm. the people in Ukraine didn't have any food. So mm-hmm. they starved to death mm-hmm. and you could not, and, and like people like immigrants who came from Ukraine to like Canada and the U S tried to talk about this and, you know, Soviet you know, officials were like, oh, no, no, that's just anti-Soviet propaganda. And then they finally could talk about it, you know, years and years later. And it is, it is horrible. It is horrifying. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's one of, just one of many of atrocities committed by Joseph Stalin. And when I learned about this, because I, 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 don't know, I went on a tear a few years ago. There's a book um, by a man named Eugene Yelchin. It's a, it's a kid's book called Breaking Stalin's Nose. And I read it and it was, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The, the title sounds hilarious. The actual title. Funny. Yes. And I like, you know, when, when there are kids who are like, when they come to the library and they say, I need like a historical fiction book, I give them this one. Because a lot of time I find out they're tired of reading about World War II, which there are so many books about World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, let's read this. So it's about, and, and Yelchin, um, he actually was, he did, he actually was born in the Soviet Union and came to the U.S. at some point. Um, and this is sort of, the story is sort of autobiographical, if I, if I understand it correctly. Uh, but it's about a boy who he is looking forward to being, you know, one of the young what is the, it's it's like the young pioneers or something it's it's the, the the kids group for for in the soviet union so he's like he's he's old enough he's gonna join it's gonna be awesome but then that night his dad is is taken by the the kgb in the middle of the night and he is nobody like he, he doesn't have a mother it's just him and his dad and he is like running around trying to figure out like what is he going to do with himself and like he can't trust his teachers he can't trust and the the story takes place over the course of one day so it's like he goes from thinking you know comrade stalin is the greatest guy ever he wants to be just like him he's going to be a good soviet pioneer for comrade stalin and then the next day he's like he's 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 a nobody he is a persona non grata uh completely because of something his dad has done and he doesn't understand it so he's so like i you know and it's like, this is, you don't get stories about, you know, Soviet Union, you know, Russia and the Cold War or any of this stuff very much, especially in kids fiction. And I was just like, I was floored by it. <clears throat> and so I started like really looking into it. And and also I, I spent some time in grad school over in Serbia um, in that part of, of Europe. And so there were just some things there that I was just like, holy cow, this mm-hmm. is this, I mean, you know, and Serbia has its own um, history is, you know, those of us who grew up in the nineties heard about quite a bit, um, mm. but that's neither here nor there, but you know, they were, they were affected a lot by, by all this stuff. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking and heart wrenching. And I'm like, why don't we talk about this more? 
and I mean, there there are reasons for it, but it's just, yeah, I I have I I mean, Hitler Hitler is a piece of garbage too, and we and and deservedly so. I also feel like we need to talk about Stalin and every terrible, awful thing he did, and so you know, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I. <laughs> I'd break his nose too if he was standing in front of me. There was an episode of Doctor Who called Let's Kill Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Yeah. And uh, how many times did a certain Winchester brother uh, <laughs> in an alternate universe uh, t- mm-hmm. get rid of Hitler? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, let, let's do a couple of those episodes with Stalin, can we? That would be <laughs> super cathartic. <laughs> Ugh. Good yeah so <laughs> yeah so the you know the the cut the, the entire country you know the soviet union has gone through this huge change going from you know the czars essentially you know mm-hmm. having a monarchy to this pseudo you know socialist just communist regime really um and yeah because the country had really been kind of living by the land and everything mm-hmm. um but stalin was like no we need to modernize so they kind of went through like this industrial revolution but they just couldn't handle it so um it's uh along with the uh, uh, centralized economy it just caused issues with food production so yeah they had a famine in 1932 um there would be occasional you know, bursts of upsets and possible uprisings. So, um, you know, he institutionalized things like the Great Purge, which uh, over a million people were imprisoned and at least 700,000 people were executed in yeah. a five-year period. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so by 1937, essentially, he had complete personal control over both the Communist Party and the state. So this was like beyond communism. This was like totalitarianism. You know, it was like this was just one single guy, which is like all of the power. Yes, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there, there's talk um, that you know this was. I mean, because religion was not a thing in in Soviet Russia in the Soviet Mm -hmm. Union, but this was, you know, the 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 worship for Stalin was bordering on religion, which is, you know, ironic. Don't mm-hmm. tell, you know, you don't, you didn't say that to, to anyone in the Soviet Union because they'd kill you, but mm-hmm. they, uh, it, it, it was true. It's just, I mean, it's, it's one of those, those things in history that I find fascinating and also repulsive. And yeah. it's, it's like, okay, can we, can we not? I mean, it's just, it's like this way of, you know, saying, you know, yes, yes, we can, you know, we, we love our leader totally. Don't kill us, please. But yes, we love him, dear leader. Yeah. You know, we kiss we kiss the ground you walk on. And yes, slap me some more. I, I love being slapped by dear leader. Yes. And I have a smile on my face. See? Yeah. North Korea, although I think they might, I don't know. North Korea is about, about the same way. Yeah. Yeah, they still are from what I gather so they're they're they're, as far as they're concerned their leader is uh, is god yeah yeah who can do no wrong and Mm -hmm. apparently never poops or (laughs) 
no, no. <laughs> he does he does nothing that is yeah. that, that is, you know, gross or or demeaning or or anything that, that might suggest he is mortal. Yes. And even when he died, he's still like you could you like they have a museum where you can go see his dead body. Yeah. Well you do have the, you can do that with Lenin too. He's on display. Uh, <laughs> <that's true. laughs> Somehow they keep the body looking not well, it's a corpse, so Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh so yeah, when Lenin died, Stalin took over and then Lenin became a museum exhibit. Um so uh <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, so the nineteen thirties um for for Stalin's government were interesting uh because yeah, there was this guy named Hitler who was coming into power you know, over, over mountains and, and the like over in the other part of Europe in Germany with the Third Reich and the Nazi regime and everything. And Stalin got wind of, you know, the kind of things that, that Hitler and the Nazi party were doing and um, was like, you know, I see what you're doing. Um, I've kind of here for it i just don't want you doing it to us how about we sign an agreement that um you can keep doing what you're doing and but you won't attack russia and uh hitler was all like you know he's like you know and stalin was like we won't stand in your way you know you want to invade france or whatever go right on ahead we won't we won't get in your way just leave us alone um and don't get in our way if we decide to invade someplace too. <laughs> and, and, you know, send, and, send, send me all your all, all your notes. I want to cheat off your test. Yeah, essentially. Right. And, and, it, and, it, and at first Hitler is all like, yeah, sure. Uh, so they sign this thing, you know, this this um, this non-aggression pact with the not with the Nazi Germany, um, with Hitler's. Um, hands behind his back with both fingers crossed essentially. right yes yeah yes. so the soviets invade yeah. poland and uh but uh the nazis are like no we want poland too um so uh hitler was like screw this and they invaded the soviet union in 1941 <laughs> Which, if it was just a, if it was just a, a contest between you know which which despicable dictator is is gonna is gonna knock the other one out, you know we just sat back and said pass the popcorn. Mm-hmm. But it was a little more than that. So you know yeah. World yeah. War Two. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, and you know poor Poland. I mean, if you although these yeah days, Poland is just like over here, like we're just trying no. to eat pierogies. Leave us alone. Uh, you know, <laughs> You know, Poland, you know, these days, though, you go to Poland and they are just like, you know, they, they, they are determined that this is that that is never, ever, ever going to happen. They have a very <laughs> strong sense of, of nationalism and, or, you know, their, their national pride, I should say. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I, there's a few in, in a couple of book groups that I'm in and just like you get talking to them and they are just they are just so delightful in how much and how proud they are of their country and how much they are going to defend their country from any other idiot who comes in trying to cause trouble mm-hmm. and they have good I reason don't blame for that. them 
No. 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 <laughs> mm. So like, yeah, they're just, they're just they're ready. To do our thing. Leave yeah. us alone. Yeah, but they're mm-hmm. they're. I mean, would you like some pierogies? They're armed and they know how to use it. Yeah. Put anything in a pierogi. Uh, so yeah, so even, yeah, so even even the even though uh, Hitler came barreling in, um, it didn't work really well because uh, apparently Hitler got the memo that Russia can be very cold, but uh, didn't realize just how cold <laughs> Russia can get, <laughs> and the weather really worked in the in the the, the Red Army's favor. Uh, so they were actually able to push the Germans back and actually take Berlin for themselves in 1945. Um, we, we should we should amend the quote to be never never get involved in a land war in Russia in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a there's a stand up comedian that that talks about that, and you know it's like you know Hitler you know comes to invade Russia, and he's like it's like I'm going to. You know, I'm going to capture Russia. Oh, it's a bit cold. It's a bit cold. It's a bit cold. And then Napoleon later is like, I'm going to do the same. Oh, it's a bit cold. It's a bit cold. It's, a bit cold. So, <laughs> it's like both Napoleon and Hitler did not get the memo on just how cold and snowy Russia can get. Yes. Note to self: wear really, really thick, long underwear, uh, or yeah. just not yeah. invade Russia. <laughs> go to go to Russia in the summer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even then, it's a little. Even then, yes, <laughs> yes. So this is why they're really good at hockey. White. Uh, <laughs> what else is there to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh. So yeah. So World War Two ends. Yeah. Nazis are defeated. Yay. Um. And. Both the U.S. and the Soviet Union come out kind of on top as the global superpowers. Um, so now Russia's like, okay, well, we gotta fix everything that got blown up. So um, let's let's start looking towards the future, and that includes nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. which we have discussed oh, in previous episodes. On this very topic, thank you, Billy yes. Joel. Yeah. Yes. And to paraphrase a certain movie that comes out in the eighties, would you like to play a game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so while Russia's, you know, trying to rebuild and and move forward post World War Two era, Stalin's health starts taking a downturn. Um, he, in like the last like two or three years of his life, he made like three public appearances making speeches. Um, uh, he spent most of his time at his uh, vacation home, a good chunk out of the year. Um, it, so, you know, he was, they, I, nobody really knows exactly what he was ill with because he never got saw by doctors because he never trusted any of them. This is the thing about Stalin. Even before he became, you know, premier of Russia and everything, that man was just a paranoid weirdo from a well, very you, young age. You, you work, you work, you know, as, you know, kind of this, you know, you, you, 
you know, Soviet politicians were just paranoid on principle because but yeah, I mean, it was it, nature you know, of the job. <laughs> yes, but it was just like they, oh, I don't know, they just like like because because they wanted to you know seize power and and kill everyone above them. They assumed everybody else wanted to do that as well, which you know mm-hmm. probably true. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's golly he was a weirdo. And yet he yeah. was in charge of, you know, one of you know, one of the great world superpowers at the time. Yeah. And it's like, oh geez, we're screwed. Yeah. yeah. It's like the guy could send a nuke our direction at any time. Yes. And this is the person in charge of the button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad news written all over it. And you know, so. mm-hmm. you know, endorsing the murder of, of of thousands and millions of his of his own countrymen, just you know, for kicks and giggles. But yes, yeah, yeah. yeah just a Tuesday. Just mm-hmm. for me, it was Tuesday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he um, he even had a doctor imprisoned after they suggested that he should retire. See, see, this is the guy they're working for, guys. Yeah. I don't know that I don't know what doctor would want to come and 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 treat him if that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, lovely this time of year. Find yeah, yourself a new doc. I'm retired. Yeah. Oh, of of the things that we know he was suffering from, illness wise, he had um, lesions on his the artery walls of his heart that came from years and years of heavy smoking. Uh, he had a mild stroke uh, around the time of the World War II victory parade, so about mid-1945, and then he had a really bad heart attack in October of 1945. Uh, so those didn't help. No. At all. No, no not really. Yeah. So uh, 28th of February, 1953, um, he and a small number of his inner circle not doctors, uh, obviously, um, were gathered together for an evening, you know, kind of just a little, little get together. You know, there was entertainment. I'm sure there's people probably playing music. Um, there's food and drinking and, la- and all that. Uh, the party eventually broke up at about 4 a.m. <laughs> party animals. Um, mm-hmm. And all the guests left. So by now, you know, it's you know, middle night, early morning on March 1st. And he is like, okay, you know, I'm off to bed um, and off to his private quarters. And he told, you know, his, his staff that he was not to be disturbed until they heard sounds that he was up. So like, just let me sleep until you, you can tell I'm awake and then you can come bother mm-hmm. me. Um, so that's what they did. Nobody bothered him. You know, no sounds were heard and, you know, anything so the staff just went about their day leaving him alone rolls around to 11 o'clock at night that same day and people are starting to get a little curious about why you know comrade stalin has not seemed to awoken at all uh so one of the housekeepers apparently I don't know if she, you know, if if they got for you know, if they drew the short straw or whatever, but like you go, you go do it. I don't want to do it. You go do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of the housekeepers, you know, whether they were coerced or otherwise, finally entered the room, found him on the floor, 
um, unconscious, breathing heavily, could not be awoken. Um, he was still wearing his pajama pants, but apparently he was dressed in like a regular everyday shirt. So he may have started to get dressed at some point and collapsed, possibly. Um, and they did call, they didn't call for a doctor right away, but they called like a, a member of the staff or, or something or someone. Um, they came in um saw that you know that he was he was essentially out cold couldn't be revived and they just chalked it up to him being drunk and they're like just let him sleep it off (laughs) now now see see this is this is what happens when you treat you know the the people who are you know supposed to take care of you when you you know have them imprisoned or killed or all those other things that that, that he did and they just don't they don't want to piss him off Mm -hmm. so it's like just let him Mm -hmm. sleep he's drunk even though you know be prudent you know under normal circumstances if you were dealing with someone who wasn't going to order your execution for blinking at him wrong uh, you know, you would, you know, call the ambulance, call a doctor, call, oh. a, doctor, call a physician, call somebody who could, who could take care of it. And no, I don't, it's like, I, I like my, I like my, my head where it is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finally at 7 a.m. the next day, a doctor was finally called. <laughs> <laughs> And um, they, they came and examined him. Uh, his blood pressure was 190 over 110. Owie. Oh, my. Yeah. And he was, uh, he had gone like, like weak, essentially, on his right side. Um, so uh, the best they could figure is because he did have a history of uncontrolled hypertension imagine that um when your diet probably consisted of cigarettes and vodka um he probably suffered a stroke um on the on the, the his left side of his brain because that's what happens when you have a stroke whatever side that's on that's opposite side of the body that's affected mm-hmm. um so over the next two days they tried to treat him um, mostly to try to decrease his blood pressure, which had risen to 210 over 120. Jeez. How is, how? how like stuff wasn't exploding at this point is beyond me. <laughs> right? The man was lucky to well, still be alive. He, pro- he probably had Alive practice, as relative. Like, yeah, he probably had practice <laughs> yeah. like screaming at his, at his subordinates. So his body's just like, oh, no, this is normal. Yeah. Not, not normal. <laughs> not great normal, but yeah, we can deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the, the okay, this is 1950s. So, the uh, ways that they treated him include two separate applications of leeches. Mm. Oh, Soviet Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, not the you know most advanced technology when it comes to medical treatment. <laughs> Uh, and uh, spoiler alert it didn't work he eventually died at 9 50 p.m on the 5th of march 1953 Uh, oh no anyway 
Yeah, so then his body was taken to an unspecified location and an autopsy was performed. Nobody has ever seen the notes from the autopsy because, you know, heaven forbid that the... Dear, dear leader can't have a stroke. He doesn't even poop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was the epitome of health. Um, and then the body was embalmed uh, so that it could be set up for public viewing. So um, on the 6th of March, the coffin with his body was put on display at the Hall of Columns in the House of the Unions near Red Square. Um, or no, that uh, that it remained there for three days and then on the 9th of march it moved to red square um so that pot people could come see it um and pay their respects um uh and like thousands and thousands and thousands of people came you know to view comrade stalin's body people died in the process because of the crowds there's people that got ran over because of just the sheer amount of people coming into Red Square. <laughs> so even in death, he's killing people. Yes. Mm -hmm. People are dying for their love for him. Or their respect know, at least, for him. Even at least showing at least showing it so that they don't get shot. Yeah. Yeah, for not showing up at some point to pay their respects. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, so his his body was displayed in Red Square. Um, and then eventually was interred in Lenin's mausoleum where it would stay there until 1961. So Lenin's still on display. Stalin stayed, I don't know if he was necessarily on display with Lenin, but he was in the same general area as Lenin for, you know, eight years <laughs> until he was moved elsewhere. They had a slumber party. Yeah. <laughs> Nice little communist leader slumber party. <laughs> All dressed in their red pajamas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Russian roulette, everyone's favorite. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, so now we get the death of Stalin. Remember, some of some of the stuff that I just went over actually will become important um, in. <laughs> other things that we're going to talk about this is this is strangely one of the most connected years we've had so far um so stalin dies and he has no sort of paperwork or anything saying who he wants to take his place if something were to happen to him probably because he thought he would never die um <laughs> even though oh lenin was younger than him when he died um, oh man! I think, uh, <laughs> age-wise, uh, so you know, the, in the midst of grieving and everything, uh, the, the you know, the, so the yeah, the head, you know, the heads are like, oh crap, we need somebody in charge, um, and it just so happens uh, that the job landed to a guy named. Uh, uh, Malenkov. Malenkov. Uh, so he's he's next in our uh, lyrics. So Georgi Malenkov, um, and he um, was a uh, he was born in Orenburg in the Russian Empire. Um, 
and um, he um, he graduated uh, from school just prior to the Russian Revolution of 1917, um, and then in 1918 joined the Red Army as a volunteer. Um, and then he joined the Communist Party in 1920. So once again, jumping in to the Communist Party with both feet at a fairly early age. Um, in 1924, he happened to catch Stalin's eye and Stalin assigns him to the Org Borough of the Central Committee of the Soviet Communist Party. <laughs> the Russians with these, communists with these names. Uh, they they yeah. ask to sound grand and important. Yeah, so, uh, so in 1925, he worked on, in the staff of the Organizational Bureau, the Org Bureau of the Central Committee of the CPSU. Um, after the German invasion that ended up failing in 1941, um, he was promoted to the State Defense Committee uh, with Stalin as the committee's head. So, you know, they're working essentially with each other. Um, so uh, it was that little group that hold total control over all political and economic life in the country. Um, and that, and while, so while he was a member of that group, it made him one of the top five most powerful men in the Soviet Union during World War II. Um, and then during World War II, while World War II is still going on, um, and you know the Russians have fought back the Nazis and are slow, slowly pushing the Nazis back to Germany so that they can take over Berlin themselves, uh, Malenkov was appointed chief of the Soviet missile program. And that included taking over the German missile programs and industry as they fought back against the Nazis. <laughs> um, that included the German V2 missiles, uh, which ended up being moved from Germany to Moscow for further development. And uh, that development ended up resulted in building the Vostok missiles and Sputnik. Um, so um, Malenkov continued to show his loyalty to Stalin um, by uh, committing execution of political competition. And um, eventually he just became kind of the heir apparent when Stalin passed. Um, in fact, even in 1952 and 1953, Time Magazine covers indicated that he was generally considered to be Stalin's apprentice and successor. So on the 6th of March, 1953, the day after Stalin died, Malenkov succeeded him as premier of the Soviet Union. Um, on the 7th of March, his name appeared at the top of the secretaries of the Secretariat, confirming that he, held, that he had succeeded Stalin as the most powerful man in the Soviet Union. So there's like the premier who is the leader of like the country and countries that make up the Soviet Union. But then there's the secretary who is essentially head of the party. Got all and, that straight? Yeah, yeah. So, and Stalin was head of both, and therefore Malenkov was both. Um, 
but uh, apparently people learned from Stalin being in charge and after a week actually Malenkov was forced to resign from being secretary <laughs> from the secretary yeah. yes so probably, probably good not to put all your power in in one basket That's especially exactly if what they were trying to avoid um so essentially Khrushchev replaced him as in the secretariat becoming the party leader um because Khrushchev's name ended up appearing on that list on the 14th of March, but he was actually not formally named first secretary until September of 1953, about the same time that Malenkov was kicked out of his role as premier. So he ended up only replacing Stalin for about six months before Khrushchev took in and just kind of was like, no, I'm gonna do everything. <laughs> And you see why the Soviet Union was so screwed up because they were yeah. all too busy fighting over power. Yeah. Like, who is going to be the grand poobah? Who's going to be the next god, basically, is, mm -hmm. is, what, is what the fight was about. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, ugh. Meanwhile, you know, people are starving. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. That, you know, let, let's, let's not worry about minor details like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, similar things are not just happening in Russia as we move on to our next uh, lyric, which is Nasser, Nasser. Uh, aka Gamal Abdel Nasser, who was a leader in Egypt. <laughs> uh -huh. mm. Yes, so he was. Um, he again kind of came from hum uh, a humble background. Um, his uh, father was a postal worker and therefore the family had to travel a lot because his dad would go where the work was essentially. Um, they moved to uh, Asiut in 1921 and then 1923 to cut Katatva, um, where his father was running a post office. Uh, he attended primary school for children for the children of railway employees until 1924, um, where he was sent to live with his paternal uncle in Cairo, where he attended elementary school. Um, while he was in Cairo, um, he didn't necessarily keep in touch with his dad so much, but he really liked to keep in touch with his mom. He was really close with his mom. Uh, so he wrote let her letters quite a bit and visited her when he was on holiday from school. Um, but eventually he stopped receiving letters from her in early 1926. Um, so when he returned home, um, he found out that his mother had died giving birth to his third brother and that the family kept the news from him. <laughs> good job guys yeah 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 he he even said even years later um he stated that quote losing her this way was a shock so deep that time failed to remedy it didn't help that um dad insult injury his dad remarried before the year was over well okay but yeah, you know, at that time, you know, it's the 1920s. He's got a house. He's got 
yeah three younger you know three younger brothers so you know like houseful kids he probably just needed someone to watch the kids yeah <laughs> maybe and it was probably not out of love would be my guess i'm just saying yeah. so but still you know no one wants to feel like their parents been replaced no no but uh that was the time wasn't it yep it kind of was mm -hmm. Uh, so he, uh, so in 1928, he went to Alexandria to live with his maternal grandfather, um, and attend, uh, attended school there. He left, uh, in 1929 for private boarding school, and then later returned to Alexandria again to attend secondary school. He went to a lot of schools, um, but it was when that's that return to Alexandria where he became involved in political activism. Once again, he is jumping in to politics, just like our two previous fellows at a young age. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently while he was at school, um, about this time period, about 1929, 1930, um, there, he happened upon a protest, uh, occurring uh, between uh, some youth, uh, presumably around his age, and some police. And he was so like overwhelmed by what was happening that he just jumped in and joined the students with no idea what exactly they were protesting. Hmm. <laughs> and he ultimately wow. got arrested and his dad had to come bail him out. But, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But he had gotten a taste of, you know, Prison. upset, I guess, dissidents, jail, and, I guess. And, and he wanted more. Uh, so, um, which came back to bite him in the butt for a little bit, because in 1937, he applied to the Royal Military Academy for Army Officer Training, but his police record of anti-government protests... Uh, <laughs> Whoops. That's that's not going to look good on anything. Put a big no on his application. Oops. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, he was he was a bit disappointed. Um, See, so kids, this is why you know what you're doing before you jump into a crowd that's yelling and screaming obscenities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so disappointed, he apparently went, he decided to go with his second choice, which was law school. But yeah, that only lasted for a semester before he was like, screw this. I really, really, really want to be an, you know, an army officer. Um, so he goes back to apply again. But this time he manages to get in with the undersecretary of war who agrees to sponsor his application and he gets in with flying colors. Because so I wonder what that set him back. Yeah, it's not what you know, it's, it's who. You know. <laughs> yes, it's yes. Like, I want to become a military officer. Oh, but sir, your record. Uh, but have I mentioned my good friend, the Undersecretary of War? Oh, yes, sir. Please come right in. Would you, which, would you like the corner dorm room? Yeah. <laughs> Please. You are going to, you are going to let, give let, credit to let our us organization. Let suitcase for you, yes. Um, so, yeah, so he he got in and went through the, the military academy um, and, you know, became a, an officer. Um, and he uh, 
saw service uh, among uh, other things in, in, in his time in the military. So um, including the, the Arab-Israeli war. Um, so once he finishes kind of his military service, um, you know, elsewhere in the world, he returns to Egypt um, and he comes back at the same time that there is a, a Syrian coup and um, the, uh, he was um, brought in and interrogated by the prime minister who thought that he was part of a secret group of officers that may be planning their own coup you know, taking taking a page from the Syrians and be like, oh, really? look, they were successful. Maybe we could do the same thing here in Egypt. And uh, he managed to actually convince the prime minister that he wasn't. That's a lie. It's a big fat lie. Um, in fact, the group uh, officially became known as the Association of Free Officers in 1949. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, uh, so it was a group of about 14 men from different social and political backgrounds. Um, and uh, he was unanimously, unanimously elected chairman or in the, of the organization. Um, so um, there, there's some unrest going on for the next couple of years. Um, and then in uh, the uh, it eventually led to this big confrontation in January of 1952 between British forces, because at this point, Egypt was part of the British Commonwealth, I think, essentially. Um, so they were uh, they wanted to be their own independent state, essentially, is what he and this group really wanted. Um, so there was a confrontation between British forces and police, um, which left 40 Egyptian policemen dead. And there were riots in Cairo, which left 76 people dead. It was a big mess. Um, he ended up, uh, Nasser published this kind of pamphlet with his ideas on how they could dismantle uh, the British influence in Egypt and um, that uh, the, because as far as the free officers were concerned, they claimed their intention was not to install themselves into government, but to reestablish a parliamentary democracy. Um, and he himself, even though he was technically chairman of this organization, as far as being an officer, he was only a lieutenant colonel. So he didn't think that the Egyptian people would see him as someone with any authority because of his low military rank. Um, so when they decided to go ahead with their coup, they selected General uh, Butcher this Nagib um, to be the quote unquote boss and lead the coup in name while Nasser is 
in the back actually pulling the, the strings. Mm -hmm. um, so they planned they planned their coup and the revolution coup, whatever, uh, officially started on the 22nd of July and was considered successful and declared so the very next day. <laughs> they seize they the free officers seize control of all government buildings, radio stations, and police stations, as well as the army headquarters in Cairo. So obviously they had more than just the 14 people they had help. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, but while he the reason that he is listed in here for 1953 is on the 18th of June 1953 the the monarchy was officially abolished and the Republic of Egypt was declared with Naguib um, as the first as president um, and uh, Nasser and the rest of the free officers um, were expected to become the guardians of the people's interests while leaving the day-to-day -day tasks of government of, in the hands of civilians. Um, they asked the former prime minister, uh, Ali Mahir, to um, return, um, essentially become prime minister again. So they were gonna have a president, I guess, and prime minister, um, and uh, to form an all civilian cabinet. Um, and then they formed, uh, the, or they governed as the revolutionary, Revolutionary Command Council with Naguib as chairman and Nasser as vice chairman. Um, so really, again, you've got the kind of these guys with like the top seats, you know, mm -hmm. president, prime minister, but they really have no power because it's Nasser and the other people pulling the strings in the background. So. And it just so happens that um, that that uh, situation <laughs> did not last very long. I don't imagine why. It's like, oh, yes, you're going to be president, but you're not actually going to do anything. I'm going to do everything. You're just going to be the face, you know, and <laughs> don't look at the man behind the curtain. And you you are going to wave and make everything look good. Yeah. And, you know, people like Mahir was like, I'm prime minister, but you're not letting me do anything. This sucks. Um, so eventually he got ousted and actually in, in 54, uh, Nasser becomes leader of Egypt. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So Russia, little unstable. Egypt, also a little unstable. <laughs> Things are just kind of off kilter in several parts of the world during this time period. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of kind of the uh, um, I guess byproduct of World War Two, and you know England to that point had been the world power, and mm -hmm. they kind of I mean they came was, out of World War Two not the not not quite not, smelling like roses. Yeah, which you know it was kind of falling apart to begin with anyway for them um mm -hmm. but world war ii just kind of kicked it in the teeth yeah yeah so and at this point you know it's like you know england's trying to recover from world war ii and you know their king had just died 
recently and now they've got a new monarch you remember queen elizabeth had just become queen the you know the year before so you know it's like they're trying to to figure out this this new monarchy and, and everything so yeah it's just the england was just like uh, can we just take a breather we need a we need like the, the you know, world the five world minutes was, to yeah. catch our breath please the world was just kind mm-hmm. of in turmoil for the most part yeah i mean yeah. the united states was I mean, well, okay. More, more like the the Western Hemisphere. There really wasn't a whole lot of just unrest going on, other than like small pockets. And that's you know, you know, because because our this side of the world really hadn't been touched by World War II as much as like Europe and you know Asia and all that had. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why we're all like, well, um, yeah. I mean, we still you know we have the Cold War with with the Soviet Union, but other than that. There wasn't a whole lot we had to worry about. Yeah. Especially like, you know, political power and, and all that kind of thing. But Yeah. No, we're gonna have our own issues. <laughs> oh yeah. No. I mean I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that like we it was all it was all sunshine and daisies over here, but we're yeah. doing a heck of a lot better than, you know, yeah leaders getting ousted and and stuff like that. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. So uh, so that's Nasser. So moving on to uh, uh, our next uh, person <laughs> in this case, uh, and uh, we're actually going back to Russia. Imagine <laughs> that, uh, Prokofiev, Prokofiev, or Sergei Prokofiev, uh, who. Uh, was this will actually be a halfway decent person to talk about thank goodness yes. uh, because uh, he like, was a composer yeah. <laughs> like I said um, when we did our Anastasia discussion um, Russia's culture is gorgeous their music their literature their you know their their traditional like costumes and stuff like that they have the ballet it their culture is gorgeous their mm-hmm. politics are shit <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm sorry for the for the small the small ears listening, but I guess it's true. It's true. Uh-huh. Sometimes so. the truth is harsh. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, Prokofiev, uh, not a bad fellow. Uh, maybe not the most you know recognizable when it comes to. Um, composers of the of the 20th century um but you've you've heard his work yes so you knew it was mm-hmm. him or not um he is uh and he's also probably not as prolific as some of the others i mean he did by the time he died um if you don't count the stuff that he did when he was a kid which we'll talk about in a second um as far as what he created when he was an adult, he completed uh, seven complete operas, seven symphonies, eight ballets, five piano concertos, two violin concertos, a cello concerto, a symphony concerto for cello and orchestra, and nine completed piano sonatas. Wow. <laughs> Which is way more than I will ever do in my uh, entire uh, life. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I just got Don't tired you. about that. I know. I'm just yeah. like I'll just I'll just listen to his music on on YouTube or iTunes or something. I, yeah, <laughs> writing Same. no, no, yeah, 
but I, yeah. I, I will enjoy it. I will enjoy it from afar. But yes, he uh, wrote um, uh, Peter and the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So if you, uh, I, I don't know. When I was growing up, I swear, maybe not every Saturday, but there were a lot of Saturday morning cartoons that ended with this animated version of Peter and the Wolf. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a Disney a, yes. a Disney animation one because they like yeah. explained um mm-hmm. you know what 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 the different instruments meant like this one was yeah. Peter this one was Wolf this one was mm-hmm. the, the, the duck yeah the duck and and all these things and I loved it I remember watching mm-hmm. this I'm like this is so much fun and I haven't seen it in years and now you know talking about him now I'm like I need to look that up because it was it was like one of those things that, like first introduced me to you know appreciating you know, sy- symphonic music and, you know, how, how music can tell a story. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, I just, I remember really loving it. And, and it was just, it was a cool thing to have on, on TV during, you know, it was like at the tail end of, of the Saturday morning block that they, that we, that they had on, I want to say it was like ABC or something, which, yeah, they, which probably. is, you know, why I'm thinking. If it's Disney, Disney yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I remember seeing the same one. Yeah, they're like you know this in, this instrument represents blah 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 you know yeah blah, and it was so, yeah it was I just cool it. and I was like okay and then I would hear it and or you know I'd, I'd watch it and I'm like I know what that instrument is because they told me at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, it, and it, I felt very right about it being on ABC or Disney. Mm-hmm. Maybe just hope it'd be on Disney Plus soon. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, um so uh he was born in 1891 in um what's now the ukraine <laughs> so um his um he was uh from when he was very very young um his mother was very into music um so she herself actually spent two months out of the year in either in moscow or st petersburg taking piano lessons um so he remembers from a very young age being inspired by hearing his mother practicing piano in the evening she you know she was playing pieces by like chopin and and beethoven and and the like um but uh, he was so inspired um, from his mother that he actually wrote his first piano composition at the age of five. Wow. <laughs> you know, like you do when you're uh, five. At five. I was still I was learning reading, how to tie my shoes. I was reading Dr. Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I was pretty sure I was learning how to write letters. Yes, that too. It's like I was learning how to write my name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by seven, he had also learned how to play chess. I'm almost 40. I still don't know how to play chess. <laughs> I know how to play. I don't know how to win. I used to know how to play. I used to play with my cousin, but that was years ago. And I, I can name the pieces. Yeah, now. me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And by age nine, he was composing his first opera. Yeah. You know show off white so yeah so obviously he showed promise at a young age so um he got sent off to uh you know to get 
lessons and learn proper composition and arrangements and blah 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 blah. How how to do the thing properly. Yes, exactly. Um so uh see he went to the Moscow Conservatory. Uh well no actually he went to he tried to go to the Moscow Conservatory and for whatever reason he could get it. So he ended up going to the St. Petersburg Conservatory. Um and um, he initially made his name as a, a iconoclastic composer pianist, um, but then he wanted to, you know, he was making, writing his first ballets and the like, um, and, but he, he felt like he was being like kind of shoehorned into just this kind of very specific style of composition. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like, I'm going to do something different. Um, so he took the music that was a, originally composed for a ballet that had been commissioned um, by this gentleman for the, the Ballet Russes and redid it into um, what is now known as the Scythian Suite, which part of the the Scythian Suite is actually not a very long piece. It's like 20 minutes long. Um, so you could easily go listen to it and, and not take a whole bunch of time. Um, but what's funny is this, I, I was reading about this and I was like, Scythian Suite, why does that sound, why does that name sound familiar? Because like, I don't, I didn't really know who this guy was before. It's one of the pieces that was played by the San Francisco Orchestra when Chauncey and I went to see SNM2. It's on the SNM2 oh. album. You can ah, listen to it. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, the specific piece out of it is Opus 20, Part 2 The Enemy God and the Dance of the Dark Spirits. So you can go listen to that. I'll have it. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. So I was like, "Wait a minute! I know that piece, or at least part of it." <laughs> that was the part with just the orchestra before Metallica came back out, but still, it was part of the whole thing. So it was still really cool. <laughs> I was like, "I know that Metallica." Uh, so after the Russian Revolution, again. A lot of you know, a lot of things changed for a lot of people when the czars got kicked. You know, the czar Nicholas got kicked out. Yeah. Um, he left, actually, with the official blessing of the Soviet minister, <laughs> and came to the United States. Uh, because, then he moved because to, you know the power of music, y'all. Yeah, yeah. So he moved. He lived in the U.S. Then he went to Germany and then Paris. Uh, you know, doing the music gig, composing things, conducting things, playing things. Um, he married uh, a Spanish singer, Carolina. Uh, he had two sons. Um, unfortunately, the Great Depression really cut down his opportunities uh, for his ballets and operas to be staged in the Western Hemisphere. Um, so um, says he considered himself a composer foremost and really hated his time being taken to just tour as a pianist. He eventually returned to the Soviet Union because he knew there were people there who had money oh. and would, res- you know, respect and understood what he was doing as an artiste. Mm. Um, 
So um, he finally returned to his homeland. And that's when he wrote things like Peter and the Wolf, Romeo and Juliet. Um, at one point, he wanted he tried to write an operatic version of War and Peace. Oh, boy. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I take it he was not quite so successful? Yeah, he was uh, he was attacked for producing anti-democratic formalism is the words that they used. Um, but apparently it didn't hurt him. It really didn't hurt him too bad because he he was still fairly successful, actually, even after that. Um, so, yeah, the the the, the Russian um, entertainment elite, I guess, are uh not as trigger happy i guess <laughs> I, I guess or um you know it's you know it's 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 music it's it's art it's you know yeah. it's part of their part of their heritage as much as they want to you know ignore everything that came before and thinking that they are the height of human society and mm -hmm. nothing beyond this is going to to ever work again their like i said their 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 art their culture there's you know everything you know stuff that came before the soviet union is brilliant and mm. it's absolutely amazing what 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 they came out with and you know even though they tried to i don't want to say rep repress it but they really weren't promoting it as much because everything that, that the soviets came up with was supposed to be the end-all be-all oh we're so amazing and mm -hmm. everything else oh you know oh you capitalist pigs suck mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like okay you know yeah. i i i can i can go have a hamburger <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do, what do you have stale bread yeah <laughs> yeah so bread, bread lines yeah yeah so, anyway, um, as as he got later in life, um, his health apparently started to deteriorate, um, and suppose he he was chronically ill for for quite a while leading up to his death. Um, they don't know exactly what the cause of death was, but they think maybe it was a cerebral hemorrhage. It's crazy just how many Russians die from like cerebral like hemorrhages and stuff or heart attacks or strokes oh, <laughs> think about these people i guess i don't know i love vodka that's the thing but i don't probably don't drink it nearly as much as i do uh what's, so. it, what's in borscht isn't borscht a russian thing yeah i don't know maybe it's possible it's I think soup it, in it okay, i think <laughs> i think they the beets yeah theory that's good for you it's made out of vegetables okay mm -hmm. oh, i don't know anyway mm -hmm. so yeah he he died unfortunately at the age of 61 uh yeah which is which is you know sad because that's that's kind of young when you, when you think about it 61 is kind of sad um he he had a good you know he he had some he had a few people that he was kind of rivals with, you know, not because of like anything like mean, it was just, you know, work. Yeah, you know, friendly competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah friendly competition. Um, but some of those people that, you know, he kind of butted heads with 
earlier on in his career, they had, you know, found common ground and, you know, really kind of become friends. Um, you know, like I said, he, he had married and had two sons. Uh, so, um, uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, his funeral ended up being uh, on the small side. Um, only 30 people showed up. Oh. Mm-hmm. Not because he didn't have friends. It's because he died the same day as Stalin. Oh, oh gosh. Seriously. Um... Yep. And he lived near Red Square. So they wanted to have the funeral service at the headquarters of the Soviet Composers Union. That wasn't happening. No. Um, In fact, they barely had a funeral at all because the hearse could not get near the house because of the sheer number of people. So they had to move his coffin by hand down the back roads in the opposite direction. Of all the people going to visit St- and see Stalin's body, but yeah, only, had, only I, thirty people were showed up because everybody else was off at Red Square crying. I, I'm Red Stalin. I just had the the most horrific horrific thought is like when they're moving his coffin out, and like maybe if somebody like got lost or turned around, and they thought that was Stalin's coffin, and no. they were gonna go. <laughs> go to his funeral and they're like wait a minute there's not that many people here uh, that is funny actually <laughs> uh, yeah so um, yeah so the timing of that kind of sucked um, yeah, the, say so. the the leading Soviet musical periodical. So this is like a magazine, newspaper, you know, whatever for music. Therefore, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's sole premise of existing is to talk about you know music in the Soviet Union. Reported his death as a tiny little blip. On page 116, because they fe- spent the first 115 pages devoted to Stalin. Of course they did. Ugh. Yep. <laughs> oh. So, note to self, don't die the same day as a beloved world leader. <laughs> For good or bad. In, in air quotes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Beloved by somebody. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess I guess somebody had to love him. Yep. I guess he had a mom. Yeah. Yep. So uh, yeah. I read I read that and I'm like, oh poor sir. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I'd have gone I'd have gone to Sergei's funeral if they didn't try to shoot me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'm his mom. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> It'd be weird if I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Prokofiev. Um, so let's move back to the United States. Yes. With Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Which is a name that 
is synonymous with money here in the United mm-hmm. States. <laughs> uh, although we are not talking about John D. Rockefeller or John D. Rockefeller Jr. Um, we are talking about Winthrop Rockefeller, who happens to be Rockefeller Sr.'s grandson. Yeah. Um, you know, the one that started everything and made all the money. Yes. This is his grandson, one of his grandsons, uh, because he was one of five kids. Um, he had an older sister named Abby, three older brothers, John the third. Nelson and Lawrence, and then another younger brother brother named David. And yes, Nelson Rockefeller is the Nelson Rockefeller that was vice president under Gerald Ford, just in case you were wondering. So same family. Uh, So the reason that uh, he, unlike the... I guess the presumed life path of someone with the last name Rockefeller. Um, He uh, lived a a slightly different life than what you would expect. Um, He did attend Yale, but he ended up getting kicked out due to misbehavior before he earned his degree. (laughs) Um, In 41, he joined the army. Um, and fought in World War II. He went. He advanced from private to lieutenant colonel. He earned a bronze star and a purple heart um, for his actions aboard the USS Henrico after a kamikaze attack during the invasion of Okinawa. So, yeah, he's a Rockefeller, but he saw combat, so that's kind of cool. He, he, he actually did physic. You did something right. Yes. Um, He would eventually go into politics, but that is not why we're discussing him here, why he's listed in 1943. Um, It's because in um, 1946, he was at a dinner party and he met a woman, like you do, um, who, uh, her born name was, uh, Jevut. I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name because she was Lithuanian and it's, I'm not even going to try. Um, but apparently she, she had been married previously. Like she had been like this beauty queen. She was Miss Lithuania when she was like 17. Um, and she came to the United States went to Hollywood, um, had, uh, she was a minor Hollywood starlet, um, and ended up marrying this uh, socialite from Boston named John Sears Jr. Um, and um, they were they were married for a time and ended up getting, div- getting divorced. Um, so, uh, but she 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 changed her name because her I'll say her her Lithuanian name was kind of difficult for people to pronounce. So um, she'd either go by Barbara or Bobo was kind of her nickname, Bobo, or you can call her Barbara. Uh, Barbara Sears is is what she was uh, known to most people. Um, so uh, Winthrop, such a hoity-toity name in itself. Winthrop mm-hmm. and Bobo met at this dinner party in 1946. Um, Rockefeller 
who at this point had never married, was considered one of the most eligible bachelors in the country. Because, of course, he's a Rockefeller. Um, they apparently hit it off. And um, it wasn't too long before they were engaged to be married, where she her engagement ring was a square-cut diamond set in platinum. Wow. That, be, that will become important later. Um, oh boy. Yep. Um, so they um, they plan to marry why this should have been a sign they plan to marry friday the 13th of february 1948 (laughs) but florida they were planning on getting married in florida at the house of a friend um but florida it has a or at least had a 72-hour waiting period um from the time you apply for the marriage license to when you can get married. That's not the case now. Thank goodness. Uh, (laughs) Considering we got our marriage license the day before. Uh, (laughs) So so because they had to wait, the wedding actually ended up taking place just after midnight on Valentine's Day, which was was kind of romantic. Um, She had come from uh, a very you know, they're Lithuanians, a very blue collar family. Her father was a coal miner. So here's this essentially daughter of a coal miner marrying this billionaire's grandson. And it was, you know, considered like a Cinderella story by a lot of the media. They're like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, she came from nothing, you know, this third world country essentially. And like her, they went to talk to her, her mom and her stepdad, because her mother was remarried. And they weren't able to come to the wedding because they were in the process of making cheese and couldn't leave. But they were, but they told the, the press that they were very proud. Uh, and then they went back to their cheese making. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, when they talked to uh, Winthrop's parents, they smiled. Uh, <laughs> they weren't so thrilled, uh, to, to say the least. They knew they knew something that apparently everyone else didn't, um, and unfortunately, they were right uh, because she even, was only in the money. Well, they got married. It, obviously, they got married uh, Valentine's Day, um, forty-eight, and. Nine months later, Bobo gave birth to their son oh, <laughs> in September. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. shotgun wedding. Yes, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. just a smidge. Um, so yeah, so they she gave birth to their son September, mid September, nineteen forty eight. Um, but uh, by nineteen fifty, they had separated, and um, it was a messy messy divorce (laughs) which is why it is in here uh because it kind of reached the the heights of it uh by 53 um and um yeah they just they could not agree on how much money 
she should get uh, as a settlement. Uh, supposedly that, I don't know how big of a ring, I'm assuming that it was a decent sized diamond set in platinum. She pawned it. Oh gosh. Or $30,000 and proceeded to live on that Ooh. until she got her divorce settlement. So, wow. Yeah. Um, she, when uh, yeah, Rockefeller was offering her $5.5 million, which in 1940s, early 50s money, that's a pretty good chunk of change. She right. wanted yeah. 10. Really? Supposedly, in an interview with Time Magazine, um, the part that I guess she was hard up for money because supposedly she really needed the 10 million because it just so happened that uh, a man just came, a, a man had tried to come and repossess her vacuum. Oh my gosh. That's why she needed the 10 million. Was the vacuum gold plated? I don't <laughs> that was her argument of which needed more Steve money. Miller here, take the money and run. Yeah, I was like, they're trying to repossess my vacuum. I need ten million dollars. Oh my goodness! <sighs> I can't. I can't okay. with this woman. Okay, that yeah. vacuum had better be gold plated, or it was motorized and or you know free Roomba. <laughs> I don't know. Is it a time traveling vacuum. I don't, I don't know. So yeah, this was this was like you know this was you know it's post World War II era. So this was like headline news. Meanwhile, you know the 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 rural farm wife, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, is like ten million dollars for a vacuum. Good grief, woman. Mm -hmm. I just want a vacuum that works. Yeah, really. Mm -hmm. right? Meanwhile, her parents are like, you want some cheese? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, eventually push came to shove and she got custody. She got custody of the son and uh, walked away with the five and a half million dollars <laughs> after after everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. She drags out the, you know, drags out this this, you know, divorce for like you know three years over uh, a vacuum. Yeah, oh, having enough money so that her vacuum doesn't get repossessed. <sighs> uh, so bless their hearts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh I read that and I'm like really out of all the things I read that in because this was like the hardest thing to try to dig up information on was mm -hmm. this divorce because this was supposedly like headline news for at least like the social circle at the time yet I really couldn't find anything from the time I kept, but I kept finding references to it. And the thing about the vacuum cleaner, I actually found in an obituary that had been written for her when she finally died at the age of ninety-one. <laughs> so the so the vacuum in two thousand eight, the vacuum cleaner made the obituary. Holy cow! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. And then Rock, Rockefeller went on to become a politician in Arkansas and helped. Uh, actually, uh, he was actually quite a progressive uh, 
governor of Arkansas too, uh, with helping uh, with do like integration in schools and stuff. So, yeah. So well, uh, you know, just goes to show that you know you couldn't really find much information. So all the celebrity gossip that you know, you know, it's that it gets plastered all over the news or whatever. Apparently, it's not going to last too too much or not going to last very long as far as you know history is concerned so mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know what you want to take from that <laughs> Didn't oh, well, you. 15 minutes 15 minutes of fame 15 minutes of fame yeah yeah unless like the rockefellers paid to have it scrubbed from history uh, yeah, i wouldn't put it past them that's definitely yeah. a possibility yeah Oh my gosh. It's still funny though. Yeah, it is. It's it's quite hilarious when you think about it. I need ten million dollars so they don't take my vacuum. Like somebody see my vacuum, like, hmm. I want a gold plated vacuum. Come on. Yeah, it's like like could I have like fifty dollars to get a new vacuum? <laughs> right? Seriously. Uh, anyway. Moving on to <laughs> from messy divorces to something still in the United States, Campanella, Campanella. aka Campy, born Roy Campanella in Philadelphia to parents Ida, who was African American, and John, son of Italian immigrants. Um, so he was a baseball player. Um, he is, I guess, if you're probably either a huge fan of the Dodgers or the catcher position, because some people I know could be fans of very, you know, like, like mm-hmm. I like shortstops or, you know, I like yeah. pitchers. Yeah. So um, his, his name may not be the first you think of. Um, when you think of baseball at this time, um, but he was a very good uh, ball player in in his own right. Um, he was um, he was very athletically gifted from a young age. Um, he had three siblings. Um, he, they his uh, he lived in in uh, Philly, you know, as a ch- as a child. Um, he and his siblings went to a integrated school, but even then, because they were mixed, you know, Italian and African-American, um, they were still harassed by some of the kids at school, which is unfortunate, but he was very athletically gifted and that really helped um, with not being teased um and actually he was elected captain of every sport of every sport team he played in high school wow he was just that good but baseball was his thing baseball was like his jam um so um unfortunately even being mixed race he was considered to be the he was he was considered colored you know, for using the terminology of the time. And therefore, if he wanted to play baseball, he was going to have to go to the Negro, Negro League. Major League Baseball was like, nope, sorry about your luck. I don't care how talented you are. You're technically still Black. Yeah. Go off with your Negro friends and play. And I think, if I'm remembering right, I think Italian was also considered minority um, 
for for a while. I don't I don't know if it stretched into the fifties. It it may have, but I I think yeah, Italian, and it was one of those that that was still considered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, in 1937, at the age of 15, he started playing with the Negro League. Um, he played for the Washington Elite Giants on weekends. <laughs> um, but he ended up dropping out of high school, um, when he turned 16 so he could play full-time. So you don't have to worry about just playing weekends. Um, the Giants ended up moving to Baltimore and, um, he became kind of their star player until 19. 19- 45 um he he did leave uh for a time during the 42 season because he got into an argument with the owner and uh went to play in the mexican league with the monterey sultans um and he so he stayed there for a couple of years then eventually he went back to the giants um he also played he also played on the uh, or he played in the newly formed Venezuelan Professional Baseball League in 46, um, which he also was co-coach. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so in 46, um, he was finally able to move to the minor league system of the Brooklyn Dodgers, who at that time were um for uh working on um bringing up several players of color and eventually would um but at the time their primary focus was a gentleman we may have heard of called jackie robinson (laughs) yep yep (laughs) um so uh he he was kind of following Robinson, kind of, sort of. Uh, he they kept crossing paths. Uh, you know, Robinson went to the Montreal Royals, which was the Dodgers affiliate in Class AAA. Uh, Campanella went to play for the Danville Dodgers in the uh, AAA League. Um, they. Uh, he ended up getting sent to the Nashua Dodgers of uh, the Class B New England League. Um, but um, yeah, so once Jackie, uh, the link that I'll put have in the show notes of this this documentary, um, the um, head of the Dodgers. Um, approached uh, Campanella at one point and because they didn't want it to get out that Jackie Robinson had signed to the Brooklyn Dodgers, you know, to Major League Baseball um, and was going to be breaking that that barrier. They were using the cover that the Dodgers were going to essentially create their own Negro team and it was going to be called the Brown Dodgers. Mm. And but it was just a cover. But mm-hmm. nobody knew that really, except the head of the Dodgers and Jackie Robinson. Um, so when um, uh, Branch Rickey, the 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 head of the, the you know the Dodgers, 
went to Campanella and was like, you know, would you consider signing with us? Campanella got it in his head that he was talking about this Negro team and told him no. Oh. And it just so happened that and and Ricky was like, okay, well, you know, I, you've probably got other prospects, but before you sign with someone else, let us know first. Mm-hmm. You know, before you decide to do something, he's like, okay, yeah, whatever. And it just so happens that uh, Campanella and Robinson's paths crossed. Um, and they had a chance to sit down and talk. They were playing cards or something or whatever. And, um, you know, they were talking about their prospects and Campanella was like, yeah, you know, Mr. Ricky came to me asking, you know, about signing to the Brown Dodgers. And I told him no. And Jackie Robinson was like, you know, it's, there's no Brown Dodgers, right? That's just the cover. <laughs> and Campanella was like, what? Yeah, Campanella was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I goofed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Campanella was like, oh, yeah. Get on the horn to the yeah, Dodgers. And it's like, nope, sir. No, I want to play for the Dodgers. <laughs> for, the, for the Dodgers, Dodgers, not yes. any, yeah. you know, knockoff yeah. side uh-huh. thing. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, glad you came to your senses. And uh, so they, they, Jack, obviously Jackie Robinson was first. Um, but then Campanella came on not long after, and they were teammates um, for quite a while. Um, uh, you know, Jackie Robinson's first, uh, first season was in 47. Campanella came on the following season, um, playing his first game April of 1948. And um he had a he had a good run when he was healthy he was a great baseball player um unfortunately his hands for whatever reason he was subject to injury but mm-hmm. he would bounce back so like if you look at like his history like he was um he was selected f- for the all-star game every year from 49 through 56 um when he was selected in 49, he was actually one of the first four African-Americans you know, to be picked for the all-star game. Um, he hit uh, home runs in five straight games in 1950, which uh, was wow. a, yeah, which is I've a, heard of. yeah, yeah, there's only four steroids. Yeah, let's say yeah. There, there are, there are one, two, three, four other Dodgers um, who have that same record and the next one the first the next one after him to make that record was in 2001 Jeez. so from 1950 to 2001 he was the only one to have that record dang um mm-hmm. uh he was named uh the, the reason he's in here be mentioned in here is because in 1953 that was the second year that he had been uh, awarded the most valuable player award for the league. Um, wow. he, had, he had already been awarded in 51 and then again in uh, 53 and then in 55. And even in this documentary, somebody's like, you can look the years that he was 
MVP were the years he was healthy and the years in between that's when he was having issues with his hands <laughs> yeah there's just some you know for whatever reason there's some athletes who are just really really good at what they do but just cannot stay healthy and you know I mean there are reasons for it sometimes but sometimes you just can't figure it out yeah yeah so um but yeah he just he he hit um he he broke the franchise record for RBIs in 1953 with 142 the franchise record at that point was 130. Um, and to this day is still the second most in franchise history. So oh. um, that same year, he also hit 40 home runs in games, which he appeared as catcher. And that was a record that lasted until 1996. Uh, so yeah, so 53 was an exceptionally good year for him. to uh sounds like it to uh to to be him so so understandable why he would be included okay sure uh and uh to round out 1953 unfortunately we are going to go back to communism and not so nice stuff it's, it's the 50s the, it's the red yeah, scare it is you know it's cold war yeah, yeah. yeah all that all that fun stuff so yes so communist block communist block also known as the eastern block or the socialist block and the soviet block depending on who you ask which existed mm -hmm. to combat the western block because <laughs> you can't have one without the other Clearly. Nope. Yeah. So this was essentially a group of a number of countries led by the Soviet Union, of course. Um, but it was a whole bunch of countries in Central and Eastern Europe, Eastern Asia, Southeast Asia. So it's like Bulgaria, Albania, Czechoslovakia, you know, Hungary, Latvia. You know, a whole bunch. Uh, most of them were socialist slash, slash communist uh, countries. Um, although, what was I reading? There was one country that was like, um, we're not really either. We don't really want to be part of either block. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Can we skip this block party, please? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Yugoslavia. They were technically were socialist country, but they weren't part of one side. And they weren't part of the Soviet Union, and they didn't want to be part of it. They didn't want to belong anyway. with the West either. So they were like, we don't want to be part of either of this. So can we, can, yeah, it's like, can we just be us? Yeah. Right. Can we like, imitate Switzerland, please? Yeah. And everyone's like, lol, no. Yeah. Pick a side and ugh. yeah. It got messy. Yeah. Yeah, it did. So, 
Um, it, this and this really is the the fallout from the kind of non-conflict cross fingers behind our back agreement between Russia and the Nazis. This is this is kind of the fallout from that. You know, just Russia was just like, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, that Hitler and the Nazis did this to us. Dagnabbit, we're gonna make sure that, you know, we don't get screwed over like this again and is, you know, almost invaded like the Russians and you know, Napoleon tried to do. <laughs> yeah. So they, they tried so, to like, you know, um, you know, buffer up, you know, create a buffer between them and everybody else. Right. And yeah. it's like, but unfortunately, it's like, okay, but yeah, but we're here too. We're living, we're like, we're living here. We're countries and stop trying yeah. to make us you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, the country that really got caught in the middle of all this is Germany. Because if you remember, Germany tried to invade. Yep. Yeah. Realized it was way colder and snowier than they had planned on and that the Russians used that to their advantage, pushed Nazis back west into Western Europe, all the way to Berlin, took Berlin, and that helped end the Second World War. But uh, you know, at post World War II, um, you know, like the United States and like you know what eventually would become like the United Nations and NATO and stuff. You know, all those all those countries, you know, like you know that were allied with us. Uh, yeah. We're all like looking at Russia and being like, oh well, okay, you know, yeah, you invaded all these countries like Poland and and stuff, but. The war is over. Give them back. Give them yeah. back their freedom. And Russia's like, no, ours. You know, they're like a little kid. It's like, you know, I took it. It's mine. You can't have it. You know, or like a dog when you, you know, you know they got a hold of something. You're like, drop it. And they're like, Argh. you know, this yeah, was Russia with all these places that they had invaded. Yeah. So, and like Yugoslavia <laughs> is the ball that's getting, you know, fought over and slobbered on and like, come on. Yeah, and me and Germany is like the stuffed toy that like the eyeballs are being ripped out of. Yes, and all the stuffing is getting thrown is, all over the place. This is where you know you have the Berlin Wall and Eastern actually the Berlin Wall mm-hmm. does not come till later. Well, it, okay, it it's coming. Precursor. So, yeah, it's a precursor. It's a and precursor people, to the people wall. Were, there's, you know, there's people were yeah. People on a, the east side were trying to get wall. yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah they were trying to get to the other side and the soviets were like no you can't you can't do that because soviet soviet russia is is amazing soviet all this is great so you have exactly to- exactly so there there's a an invisible wall separating mm-hmm. east germany from west germany yeah. russia's got east germany and, and they're yeah. like it's ours you can't have it and they were tired of people trying to get onto the other side and it's right like- and um you know, at one point they offered to try to unify with West Germany, and uh, this was still when Stalin was in power. And West Germany is like, "Hell no! We've seen Stalin and what he's capable of. We're not forming any sort of agreement with him." It's no, like, thank you, you, you aren't. It's like 
it's like we don't like you you're you're the you're the you're the creepy uncle that nobody wants mm-hmm. nobody wants around so <laughs> go, yeah. go away Shoot. yeah yeah so um you know as i mentioned when talking about stalin you know how russia's economy went in the toilet while Russia, while Stalin was in power. Same thing happened in East Germany. This whole communism thing is just, they could not figure, they just could not make it work no. uh, <laughs> in any way that made people happy unless you were the elite, I guess. Well, that's, uh, I mean, look at look at any communist country anywhere, even ones that, that, um, that are, exist now. Yeah. And it's only the elite who get everything yeah and the people are there they they starve they are in fear of their life they it's it, it's only good for the people in charge mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's like it was it was literally to the point where like west germany was like doing really well and like they're you know they were having no problem you know they were still having issues with like you know producing things themselves so but what they could not get they could get sent to them and therefore it was and like there's like literally footage and pictures of people in like east germany watching planes fly to west germany and drop supplies yes in fact um if you um i would suggest read there's a book called the candy bomber it's actually about a man who i've actually met um his name's gail halverson i think he's still alive he's like 100 now uh he's, he's from utah and he he was one of those um he was one of those pilots who was dropping supplies and he met a bunch of kids like uh, they, 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 they were on the east side at a fence and like he had like two pieces of gum and he like tore him up or you know gave him to the kids they tore him up and like in little tiny pieces there's like a group of like maybe a dozen kids and like they would just take little tastes or they'd plaster on the wrappers to smell the mint on it and he was like okay what can i do because like these kids they just you know yeah they're getting the staples that we're giving them and dropping to them but you know can we get like like candy and they and he had like some chocolate chocolate bars and his rations and he got some of, the, of his buddies to donate a little bit of it and it turned into this huge big thing like like because his his office his superiors found out he thought he was going to get in trouble so what he would do is he would like drop um candy bars um on handkerchiefs that were little parachutes and he and he told the kids like if you know when i when i wiggled my wings that's me so that that's how you know i'm gonna drop this and and he thought he was getting in trouble. His superiors like, no, this is a great idea. And it turned into like Hershey's donated, like people from the states were donating candy, and they were donating material to make the parachutes and this whole big thing. And so it it, it turned into they called it Operation Little Vittles because uh, it was you know getting <laughs> getting the kids, giving them candy. And it, 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 look up look it up. There's some YouTube videos where he gives interviews. He's called the Candy Bomber. There's actually a book written about him. Um, it just just search candy bomber and you'll find it it is the most amazing story and he actually came that. to our to our church um christmas party a couple of years ago and uh, he's he's told this story over and over and he loves telling it and he's such a sweet sweet man i was so honored to meet him and so like like hearing about this this story of you know you know them, them dropping supplies to the east to the to the 
East Germans, like when, when all this was cut off is it's great. And I love talking about him. I love, I love it. And so I'll, I'll see if I can find some YouTube videos or, or something of him. Cause it's, it's amazing to hear his story. That's part cool. of the Berlin airlift. Yeah. Oh yeah. PBS did like a whole big, uh, documentary about him and stuff like that yeah so east east germany is it sucked a little <laughs> bit putting, yeah putting it putting it putting it mildly um there was um the the like travel costs rose um you know factories were had to cut down on on overtime food prices rose uh the part of that was the 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 russians policies on on farming and some other other things that, to the point where like 40 percent of the wealthier farmers in east germany fled to west germany leaving like yeah. three quarters of a million hectares of otherwise useful farmland laying just to, just to, mm-hmm. you know, go to crap. Um, yeah. Cause it was, it was just, it was impossible for them to work under, under these circumstances. It just, yeah. 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 So the, uh, the, the Soviet union powers that be in all their infinite wisdom decided that the best way to fix all this is to um, increase work quotas by a compulsory basis by 10% across all state-owned factories, which means workers now had to produce 10% more than they already were for the same amount of pay. Yeah, communism blows. Yeah, plus, the price increases on food, healthcare, and things like public transportation, together with the working quotas and pricing increases, it essentially amounted to a 33% monthly wage cut. Yep. And you know, you're still you're still being forced basically at gunpoint, although you know it's not over it, it it's more implied, you know, to, to work harder for for nothing. You know, to make to make the 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 great the great and marvelous the great and powerful Soviet Union look good, mm-hmm. and it's just looking worse and worse all the time. But nobody knows that because they 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 control the information coming out of the country. Yeah, it's like oh, our 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 civilization is floundering. Work more. Like or we're not going to pay you anymore. You're not you're not doing enough. You're not. Yeah. You're, you're, you know. Uncle Stalin, or you know whoever's in charge, Khrushchev. He he he's he's embarrassed of you, so you have to work better. Not never mind the fact that you're starving. Your your food sucks, and you have to like wait in line for hours and hours even to get any. Mm-hmm. So you know, and then by the time it got to your turn, you're lucky if there's anything left on the shelf. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So these work quotas. Um, thankfully, were scheduled, so they just didn't smart start immediately. They uh, were scheduled to go into effect on the 30th of June. Um, 
1953. Uh, so <laughs> because they had some time before these were going to effect, uh, a group of about 300 workers from various construction sites in East Berlin on the 16th of June at 9 a.m. decided to go on strike. And oh, gee, that, that went over like a lead balloon, I'm sure. Yeah. They marched, they marched to the Free German Trade Union Federation headquarters and then onto the city, cent city center um, with, uh, you know, homemade banners and stuff shouting about how they want the old work quotas. And um, uh, eventually the, the crowd grew and their shouting and stuff, uh, the things they were shouting broadened to things beyond the work quotas, but to other political matters. Um, oh, eventually they got to the point where the uh, Politburo, which was, you know, essentially like the, you know, the people in charge making these decisions about work quotas and stuff, um, were, found themselves in their, government building or whatever essentially trapped because these people were outside protesting um and didn't know what to do um Oopsie. yeah so um we're all because supposed to be in harmony and love each other and because we all we all love working our working our butts off for nothing right yeah yeah um so eventually they, they caved to the pressure and decided to cancel the work quota increase. Great, fantastic. Um, because of that, the crowd temporarily dispersed. They were temporarily appeased. But of course, you know, from the time that they started protesting with these 300 guys, it had snowballed into more than just these people wanting the quotas changed, they were now protesting things like, um, they had to, also, uh, I have it written down. Uh, yeah, they, besides the old work quotas, they also wanted things like decrease in prices. Um, the protesters have been arrested in the process <laughs> of all this. They wanted released. Um, and they wanted free and fair all German elections. Uh, so they, they got to the point where they were demanding more than just, they wanted more change. You know, it's like, you know, we got to this point, we're going to stay, you know, the quotas is just one thing of a million things that needs to change. Um, so they temporarily dispersed, temporarily appeased, um, but overnight, um, the news radio, there was one radio station that kept on the hour uh, broadcasting their demands. <laughs> so <laughs> just to make sure that people didn't forget because um, they needed something to, to fill that time because when they dispersed, they weren't, that, that wasn't gonna be the end of the end of it. They were like, okay, we're gonna go for the night you know, some of our friends are in jail. We're going to go reconvene, collect ourselves, maybe get some sleep, meet back here 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. In the meantime, this one radio station is like, don't worry, we got it covered. We'll keep, you know, we'll be, you know, they were trying, they tried to remain neutral 
when the whole thing started, but it eventually got to the point where like, screw it, we're with the protesters. And, <laughs> you know. We're making it official. We're making it official. We're on the side of the protesters. It's like, we're, we're not even going to pretend anymore. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I cannot figure out if they, uh, at least what I figure from what I have read in my research um, is I don't know if the initial agreement to cancel the quota increase was legit or if they had just said that so they could buy some time because while the protesters went off with the agreement that they were going to meet back the next morning really or the next morning the soviet union was sending in troops hmm. for reinforcement my shock face let me show you it yes, yes. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when the uh, crowds of protesters got back together and started marching towards the city center again, they encountered a lot more security than they had the first time. <laughs> this point, this point, it's just like police and some other very specialized police um but apparently those police forces hadn't really been given very clear instructions on what they were supposed to do so they just kind of let them go (laughs) keep going (laughs) they hadn't been told to like halt them or try to disperse them so they just kind of let them go until they came across some some police that were like, no, actually, I'm going to like do my job, at least what mm-hmm. I think my job is, and uh, tried to stop them. But they ended up being on the defense to the protesters' offense. Um, again, now they've got even more banners and they've got like, you know, radios and all sorts of things to make you know set you know loud noises and mm-hmm. make them sound louder it's, and on all those it's, things it's getting more intense yeah yeah um so um so they're they're doing their thing you know the crowd is getting really you know really 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 big um by now it's uh uh 9 a.m and there is a group of about 25,000 people in front of the House of Ministries. Wow. Um, and then there were tens of thousands more that were on route to other places. Um, so um, between about 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., um, a group of about 80 to 100 demonstrators uh, were apparently able to breach the building and um but that did not last long because by this point it's almost noon and now the soviet backup is showing up in the streets complete with tanks oh boy big ass guns and just a lot more than what the police had (laughs) to work with um so um the soviet troops managed to clear the area around the government building 
and at noon they by noon they had uh terminated all tram and metro traffic in the eastern sector and all but closed the borders to west berlin to try to prevent um not necessarily people fleeing to west berlin but for west berliners to come over to join yeah um so um and then they declared martial law in east berlin which you can imagine did not go over well because um they they took that to heart and the tanks open fired open fire um so the depending on who you ask you're going to get widely different numbers on the casualty count um because you know the russians are going to want to make it sound like they took care of a lot of insurgents mm -hmm. and hardly lost any of their guys the opposite could be said from the other side <laughs> you know oh uh so not entirely sure what the exact numbers are but there were casualties to, yes. to say the least Try, um, trying to get a, a straight answer out of out of the soviets is like trying to ask a toddler did you take the cookie out of the cookie jar yeah exactly <laughs> and, and getting like, an yes no response. what's the right answer cookie. yeah love you <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> love me i'm adorable mm -hmm. <laughs> well i kick you in the shins mm -hmm. <laughs> although the toddler genuinely is adorable yeah <laughs> um so yeah so this this did not go well for the protesters although i think the the quotas actually did stay canceled <laughs> so at least i had that going for them i guess i guess um, but in general things in in germany and specifically berlin didn't really start looking up for quite a while. This was in 53, this, this particular upheaval, this would not be the last upheaval. This wasn't even the first upheaval. This was just like the most, like the biggest to date, I guess, at this point. Um, the Berlin Wall would start construction in 61. Um, and, you know, obviously would stay standing for the next almost 30 years. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, not a good time to be an East German. No. Nope. And would not be for a very long time, to, to put it mildly. Uh. So, there's a happy note to end things on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The good news is we know how this particular story eventually ends. Oh, yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Yes. It's but the it's, getting to it part that yes. really yeah. is and, not fun. But this is how we learn. Yes. Mm -hmm. and in I, theory. Yeah. 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 I I, I want to just plug in right here, um, talking about you know East Germany and, and the Berlin Wall eventually coming. There's another book that I will recommend. It's called A Night Divided by Jennifer Nielsen. It is a fictional, I mean, it, it's historical fiction. I think it's more for, I think it's a little more for teens, but it could go either way. And it's about a family who gets separated when the Berlin Wall goes up. 
um, and the the mom and the daughter are on the east side, and I think the 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 dad and the son are on the west side, and so like they're trying. So the mom and the daughter are trying to escape from the east side to the west side. It is really well done. So if you you know if, if, that. if uh if breaking Stalin's nose kind of whets your appetite for more you know cold cold war era Soviet BS and how it actually affected people, check out A Night Divided by Jennifer Nielsen. It's 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 amazing. So, yeah, there you go. You've got you've got some reading to do. <laughs> and the good news is is maybe not the next fifty four is slightly better, but fifty five fifty five is really good year. So we're only a couple <laughs> yeah. we're only a couple away from a really good year. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know it's Rachel saying this, so maybe you could guess what. 55 i mean yeah 55 has got some really good stuff but i kind of yeah. have a i have an inkling of what uh rachel is 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 bouncing up and down in her chair for yeah mm-hmm. that one will definitely end on a high note mm-hmm. indeed so anyway so there's our there's our trip down history lane i was going to say memory lane but mm, i don't think any of us were alive for that nope. if you yeah, if nope. you were and you are listening to this to this podcast like holy cow you're awesome um mm-hmm. But if you, you know, want to talk about 53 and history or, you know, if you live through it, history as you remember it, <laughs> send us some feedback and we'll talk about it uh, on the podcast. Our email address is fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, which is thefiveishfangirls.com and get links to all of our social media, uh, all the places you can find our podcast and leave comments for us. And also ways to support the podcast, our Patreon, our Amazon store and our merchandise shop everything is there and uh thank you all again for listening for your support and just uh, sticking with us and we hope you enjoy it and uh, because we enjoy putting this together for you so thank you all stay safe out there and uh we'll uh we'll uh talk at you next time i guess Mm -hmm. so on that we shall sign off for this week this is Brittany and Troy saying goodnight. This is Chrissy saying goodnight from Salt Lake City. This is Sally from Wisconsin saying good evening. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Down with communism. Amen. Fire, fire up the helicopters. I mean, <clears throat> I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to the Five Ish Fangirls podcast. You can find more episodes and information at thefiveishfangirls.com. Any and all books, movies, games, and any other forms of media mentioned are owned and operated by the respective copyright holders. No copyright infringement is intended or implied. If you wish to support the show, the easiest way is to leave us a rating and review. More ratings and reviews will make it easier for others to find the show. If you wish to support us monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash fiveishfangirlspodcast. All money goes towards fees and equipment to keep the show going. For official Fiveish Fangirls merchandise, visit redbubble.com slash people slash fiveishfangirls. We love hearing from our listeners and encourage feedback. You can email us at fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. 
You can also like and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fiveishfangirls. Thank you so much for listening, and may the squee be with you. Yeah.